genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. Nick Jimenez, runner. <laughs> Today, we are concluding our miniseries on the Matrix franchise with the epilogue to the Matrix trilogy released 18 years after its conclusion, The Matrix Resurrections. I really like that you introduced this as an epilogue. Yeah, because that's what it is, right? It is. It you know, uh, there's that uh, GQ video of Francis Ford Coppola, uh, kind of going through his career. One of those like I'm talking about my life, my career retrospective. You know, mm-hmm. except he's in the the vineyard. He's not like in a white office, mm-hmm. and he talks about the the re edit he did of Godfather Three, where he calls it you know Godfather Coda, right? The the death of Michael Corleone and. I thought about that watching the Matrix Resurrections this morning. Is this really feels like the Matrix Coda? Mm-hmm. Is it's kind of just like a wrap up of the and an explanation and a clarification of themes, right? And kind of really like Lana getting to put the final say on on this this thing she created, right? That she helped create with right. her sister, Lana, basically like. Saying like, okay, there's been a lot of misunderstanding <laughs> about what our intention was, so we're gonna do this, and I'm just gonna lay it all out on front street. Oh man, and... what's that thing? What's that thing <laughs> that um, Tumblr post used to do, where it's a combination of letters, and it's like a wrap up of like, it's like I, I watch so Sarah Zed does it in her YouTube videos, where it's like. It's like TLD something something, and it's just like okay. So here's what this was oh, all too about. Too long here's didn't it, read. Too long didn't read. Exactly. Yes. It. Yeah. This is a too long didn't read of the Matrix movies. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's also a too long didn't read special feature on the Resurrections uh, Blu-ray of all the cast of Resurrections explaining the Matrix trilogy, like the plot of the Matrix trilogy. Oh, cool. And it's. It's it's weirdly edited because it feels like whoever edited it doesn't actually like the Matrix movies. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, because there was just some. There was like this weird vibe of them being like, "Yeah, I don't know," and then like, "I guess this happens," and like, you know, what? And it's just like them all Kinda being dismissive. baffled by it, and like, uh, like, and it's yeah. just it's very it's very um self deprecating, self deprecating, and uh, it reminds me of like um. Like a Jimmy Fallon thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Where it's like, isn't this kind of dumb? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's um, too bad. Didn't didn't care for that. Um, Is it a good Blu-ray? It's okay. You know. Okay. Um, it's not as extensive as, like, the OGs, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that has to do with, you know, this is actually a good transition into the development of this film. Because mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, it wasn't super pre-planned 
Um, it was kind of, you know, a thing that Lana developed on a whim because she had heard that Warner Brothers wanted another Matrix. They had wanted another Matrix for a long time. And she, you know, she and, and, and Lily just kept shutting them down left and right. Like, no, it's over. It's done. Never, 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 mm-hmm. never, never. And then when they finally were like, you know what? We're going to develop our own. I think that, you know, it definitely stuck in her craw a little bit. Though, I think even still, she had no interest in going back. She was like, well, that sucks. But, you know, to be fair, they gave us all those that money to make those movies. And it is technically theirs, you know. Um, but then her parents died. And um, I think when, you know, when that happened, she's talked about how, like, she just sort of felt this need for comfort and the thing that comforted her the most in this time was her her buddies Neo and Trinity um, and the world of the Matrix. And she started thinking like, OK, well, if I were to go back to them, what would it look like? You know, mm-hmm. and the epilogue thing is really what it all came down to. And like there was certainly the metatextual narrative going on in this, as I'm sure we'll we'll dig into. Um in terms of like, you know, Warner Brothers said they were going to make this sequel with or without us, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but on the whole, Lana is a very different filmmaker than she once was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she talked about how when they were making the original Matrix trilogy, they were, you know, very inexperienced filmmakers. And one of the things that they relied on to get them through making such a massive thing to prove that they were worthy of making this massive thing was pre-planning everything and planning it within an inch of their life. There's this story that one of the special effects guys has um, who worked on the original trilogy and worked on this one and is talking about like the difference between working with the Wachowskis on the original trilogy and working with Lana on Resurrections. And he's like, yeah, when we were working on the Matrix trilogy, there was a scene where somebody was going to run across a wall and there needed to be bullet squibs in the wall. Mm-hmm. And there, and I was like, how many squibs do you want on the wall? It's a very normal question to ask. And Lana pulled out the storyboard and showed me the storyboard and was like, see, one, two, three, four, five. That's how many. It was in the storyboard, the amount of squibs that they wanted on the wall, you know? Um, and he was like, that's how planned out that original trilogy is. And then this one, they were planning out the motorcycle sequence on a napkin the morning of, like they were just (laughs) getting coffee and they're like, I guess we have to plan this thing. And they just wrote out a map of like, yeah, I guess this is sort of what it would look like. And then they just shot it by the seat of their pants. Um, and it was more of, of Lana style. It was more of, um, her, uh, DP style on this one who, um, I guess had her fall in love with sunlight, something that she despised in film, um, prior to this. And the reason was that she had no control over it and she wanted control over it. And he had to explain to her, like, look, that's, what's beautiful about the sunlight. It's like. You're going to get something that you could never even dream of having. 
because it's so natural and so specific and like to this day to the minute that you shot it this is what you're going to get and she was comparing it to like the lighting in the matrix which was all lighting there was no mm. sunlight she she um actually pointed out the bullet time sequence and how there's no sun in the shot, despite the fact that it literally goes around in 360 degrees. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she's just a much more naturalistic filmmaker. And there was all these, like, cool behind-the-scenes things where the DP was had, like, a, a harness and was, like, um, uh, uh, the steady had the steady cam harness, you know, with the camera and everything. And on his back was a knob for the um, – to pull focus and – uh, uh, like do like, you know, zooms, if that's the type of lens they were using, um, that sort of thing. And he was focused on the shot and then she was right behind him, holding on to him and moving him around and pulling focus on his mm. body. <laughs> and that's how they shot the whole movie. Um, all just making it up on the fly. And she was like, yeah, I just trusted myself that I knew what I would want in the moment. And I always did. And it was a really great way. Everybody loved working this way, you know, but it was very different than what it was before. But we felt that given the 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 concept of the movie, um, it needed to have more of a grounded feel because that was sort of the purpose of it. Um, and, you know, she didn't want it to feel like a video game the way that the original did or a graphic novel where it was like this perfectly planned out thing. She wanted it to have um, – if she wanted it to be like living and breathing because this is, you know, the Matrix 2.0. It's a mm. – it's, it's, it's more detailed. It's more like the real world, you know. It's, it's right. so funny that like you look at the Matrix trilogy – and when that came out, it was blowing people's minds like, oh, what is real? What is reality? But then you watch it now and you're like, well, I mean, this obviously isn't reality. Like, <laughs> it's like a backlot in Australia. Like, it's it's very, very specifically like doesn't look real. It looks mm -hmm. like a fake world. And now we're in Resurrections and you have the juxtaposition of the opening sequence which feels very much – I mean that, that sequence of the original film literally shot on sets that they hadn't torn down of Dark City, you know, just to <laughs> save some money. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, like, you have that opening scene that is this closed box thing. And then the you modal, go, yeah. Right, right. And then you go into, you know, the place where, where John Anderson where, – where, where Anderson is and it's this – wide open it's just this wide open thing it feels totally different and i think mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with the cinematography i remember feeling upset that bill pope wasn't coming back for this but in retrospect based on what they did with it you know it does feel like lana made the right choice in terms of like going with a going in a totally new direction in how she was going to execute the visuals in this film and i think it's really awesome as a result it's this cool amalgamation of the real world and the matrix you know instead of like a hard split between the two absolutely and i i feel so uh i feel really vindicated when when i heard you say the quote about uh sunlight mm -hmm. Be because um it's you know it, it's immediately the first thing you notice about this movie even if it's uh, even if your eye notices it before the brain does mm -hmm. when you first watch the trailer for this movie 
all summer. The first thing you would see was that gorgeous, beautiful day breaking shot of the analyst's uh, office slash home, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, in retrospect, you go back to the final shots of the Matrix uh, revolutions where uh, the the architect is like walking over that little hill as daylight is breaking. Yeah. And it almost in retrospect, whether this was subconscious or not, the new era of Wachowskis breaking through and overtaking the cold, green, sterile, you know, Bill Pope shot world of the of the previous trilogy. Right. And uh, I decided last night to rewatch Cloud Atlas. Mm hmm. Which, because I, I believed it to be the bridge connecting those two worlds together, yeah. you know, Matrix Resurrections to this. And it's, it's, uh, I was, you know, it, I was right. It was a really fruitful experience. Uh, both movies, Cloud Atlas and this, were shot by uh, John Tull. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the use of light in that movie is very similar and similarly gorgeous. Um, Did Tull and do I can't... Jupiter also? I think so. It I, felt, I don't know that. I'll... It feels like when they're hanging. In the yeah. air, it reminds me a lot of like all like the boot, the rocket boot scenes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Can't wait to. Yeah, and <laughs> when I think about you know, Cloud Atlas is like you know the filming equivalent of like an expedition mm-hmm. where like teams had to go. And I imagine after surviving, not just surviving, but you know, like you know that Cloud Atlas is a great movie. Uh, it, inexcusable, humiliating, yellow face aside. Yes, but. Like I, after surviving the gauntlet of shooting both Cloud Atlas and Jupiter Ascending, to say nothing of her personal life and the crucible she, you know, survived in her personal life, it just you know to be like, yeah, I I don't need to pre pre plan everything anymore. I'm fine. I'm Lana Wachowski. Yeah, I'm gonna plan this on a napkin and trust myself, and it's gonna be fine. Yeah, and you're right, Scott. That's an incredibly like empowering like thrilling thing to watch in a movie yeah to just see an artist just like just make something on the fly make something yeah that fun yeah especially something that is the thing that i find so interesting about the matrix resurrection is how it is you know with all this talk of like legacy sequels right and we've Mm -hmm. got like We've got like, um, you know, your Jurassic World, which is uh, something I'm going to bring up later. Um, But Jurassic World and you've got your Scream that we just talked about um, a few weeks ago and and things like that all coming from a new generation of filmmaker. Right. Looking Mm -hmm. back at their nostalgia of this um, of this previous franchise, this franchise made Mm -hmm. by a a different filmmaker and trying to, like, make a love letter to it. Right. Mm hmm. What I find so interesting about this, because um, you could compare this to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in mm-hmm. terms of like it's the same filmmaker, right? But with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I don't feel that Steven Spielberg had anything to say about Indiana Jones. It was more just like, yeah, I guess people expect me to make another Indiana Jones. It'd be fun to make another Indiana Jones. I'm going to make another Indiana Jones that's it. Like that was mm-hmm. it it does feel like that movie is is very much like him just wanting to make a new Indiana Jones movie without having like larger thoughts about it. This, however, is like a love letter to the Matrix by the author of like 
you have no idea what this trilogy meant to me when I was making it. And so I'm going to make a movie about how much it meant to me. And I, right. yeah, it, it's so crazy. I've never seen a movie like this, you know? It, it reminds me a lot of when we talked about the Scream movies, and especially now having seen Scream 5, mm-hmm. that, you know, Scream 3 and 4 were directed by Wes Anderson. I mean, I'm sorry, Wes Craven. Craven. I do that so much. <laughs> um, you know, and we saw what Wes Craven, what interested Wes Craven about making more Scream movies. Yeah. Which is, I want to make fun comedies with these kooky characters that I love. Right. And maybe, like, be, like, you know, poke fun at Hollywood and poke fun at horror movies. Right. And then we see Scream coming out this year directed by people who grew up loving Wes Craven's Scream. And it's, like, inherently a different movie because there's, like, a uh, a lovingness. You know, there's a, uh, a worshipping of, like, certain stuff. Whereas things in Scream four and five or you know three and four like throwaway moments right and i think about there are so many moments in resurrections that are like tongue-in-cheek poking fun at itself that would not have happened if it was directed by like a 25 year old who like watched the matrix when they were a kid right right absolutely or you know i'd argue that spider-man no way home is a legacy sequel in a lot of ways oh yeah certainly and and tom holland and john watts are those people that were like we freaking love these movies growing up let's like write a love letter to spider-man right Right. Um, but yeah, but you, you but you're right. Like this has all of those tongue in cheek moments where she can be a little self deprecating, but mm. but while at the same time expressing how much that those those movies meant to her as a filmmaker. Yeah. What what parts meant a lot to her. Right. Like, because, you know, even to me sitting down for the first time watching this in theaters, I missed the Bill Pope cinema. I missed the green tint. Mm-hmm. I I missed the the Yun Wu Ping fight choreography. Sure. And it's sort of like this is oh, like, but then revealing like what actually meant the most to Lana Wachowski was like the romance right. of Neo and Trinity and like the empowerment and the identity and the, the boundary pushing of, you know, it was like a, a revealing what actually mattered to her. About right. These movies. Right. Um, so, so yeah, uh, the thing that I, I, I guess the thing that I take away from this is like, it is, I think tonally the closest to the first film in terms of like, it it never feels heavy handed in like its exposition, the way Mm -hmm. that the, the two sequels do. It's not an epic. Yeah. It's not an epic. Um, it's definitely not. Uh, but it, it feels the closest to the first one, but doesn't really feel anything like the first one either, um, which I mm-hmm. think is actually a benefit. And I, I, I find it really exciting. Um, it, like they weren't going to like pretend that Keanu Reeves can do that stunt choreography still. You know? Or I was going to say in that the amount of prep time that, that they had. Right. Right. You know, yeah, he wasn't he didn't he didn't train for a year right. or even like like he does for a John Wick movie. Right. So it makes sense. It is kind of slapdash. Yeah. Yeah. Comparatively. Right. But I don't know. I like that. It, uh, feels, it feels more casual, I guess. It's a very yeah. casual movie. It feels very it really casual. Is. For what it, it really is, is, it feels very yeah. casual. Like having rewatched, it is kind of like the more I rewatch it, it is kind of like almost a comfort movie of like, oh, yeah, this is the part where it's sad. And there's there's no like part where like, you know, you have to watch like half the crew get murdered, you know? Right. Um, something I want to say real quick, this is, um, you know, when we, when we think about film criticism and I don't know if we necessarily, what we do on this podcast is film criticism, 
but there's yeah. kind of the inherent thing of like when you hear a criticism, mm-hmm. th- there's sometimes this presumed subtext of I wish this thing were different so that I liked the movie more. Yes. And I, when I'm so like later on, when I say things like, oh, I inherit, I don't think the fighting or the fight choreography or fight camera work in this movie. I don't think I like it as much as the Matrix sequels. Sure. Reloaded and Revelations. Yeah. the That doesn't mean that I wish this movie were different. Right. You know, I'm like, I've accepted this is a different movie. Yes. And that there are different parts about it. But it's also like that inherently means that I'm going to like certain parts less than I do in other movies. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I agree with that. I think in, in general, there is <clears throat> there needs to be a little bit more of film criticism that is coming from a place of meeting the film where it's at rather than trying to like fix it. Um, Because I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's no, for sure. Yeah. I think those are my favorite critics, like current or classic, Mm -hmm. you know, like I feel that's what Ebert was really good at Mm -hmm. is like talking about the movie he was seeing and not like, what it is or isn't doing. Right. Right. And it's, you know, I've been listening to that, uh, that Harry Knowles podcast that I think it was Mickey on, on, on the discord recommended Mm -hmm. and how just Harry Knowles and the ain't it cool kind of mindset phenomenon really changed the way nerds or fans even interact with these movies, these big event franchises. Yeah. And like expectations. And this movie got utterly walloped by expectations. Yes. Um, that I think, I don't think affect this. I think this movie's going to age really well. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's going to remember, like the box office or the how you know, the the business of it all because it's such a personal work. It's such a so clearly a work by a by a person, right, or by a team of people, right, yeah. And I and I think that that's that's always going to give a movie more legs. I think than yeah yeah than just like. I, I mean, it's so funny that people were like, oh, that's just a cash grab. And it's like, well, what you're describing is exactly what that would have been is like the cash. Uh, yeah. You know, like you, you are you, the thing that you're wanting that you're criticizing this movie for not being would have been mm-hmm. a cash grab. This is the opposite of that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I think about that, like that gif of the, the notebook of Ryan Gosling. Like, what do you want? You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I well, and and you know, um, it was some that was something else. I was actually thinking a lot about. Um, so I was thinking a lot about Lana while watching this, and mm. and sort of um, thinking about, uh, you know, what her goals were in, in, in all of that. But another thing that kept coming to mind a lot while watching this was was Jurassic World. Um, mm-hmm. And going back to what you're talking about with the, with the criticism um, and and things like that, I think a lot about <laughs> the fact that one of the things that is criticized a lot about Jurassic World, but then was there were some people who criticized it, and then other people were like, "Well, yeah, of course that's what this had to be about." Was that conversation that like early in the move that happens early in the movie between um, Smith and New Smith, Smith 2.0, and mm-hmm. Neo? about how like well Warner Brothers said they were going to make the sequel with or without us that whole mm-hmm. thing and then but they're like 
not hiding the metatextualness of that. And then in yeah. Jurassic World, he tries to like be like, you know, yeah, he, they, they they can't say, oh, like our 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 bosses at at Paramount or at Universal want us to make a new Jurassic Park movie, right? <laughs> it was hidden in the subtext of like the park is the movie, right? Right, and. There's literally a line where where Vincent D'Onofrio says, listen, we're going to do this with or without you. But that movie, right. like the critics were just like, oh, fuck this. And right. then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This movie's so dumb. This movie does. It's a, it's the pentacle of like dumb McDonald's fast food movie making. Yeah. You know? And it's so obvious. And it's crin- like that's so cringy that, that, that he would just like. You know, talk about like I, I get it. You got issues with the studio system. Like, yeah, keep it to yourself, buddy. No one gives a shit. And then here, it's the same thing. But everyone was oh, like, yeah. "Oh, Lana, we love Lana." And it's just like it's a real like. I oh no, it's very yeah, very selective. Yes, yes. No, I think about that a lot. I mean, like I, I can of like you know something that another one movie does or one filmmaker does that when someone else does it, it's seen as like oh. Like it's either like yeah, either met with like this person's a genius, we love this person, or this person's a joke. Right. <laughs> how does this person have a career? Yes. Uh, how how dare they be allowed to make these movies? Um Yeah, I don't know. Uh but let's uh let's let's talk about the, the movie. Um Yeah. We uh we open on a modal, mm-hmm. a memory, mm-hmm. a moment being recreated in a loop. The uh, original scene of the Matrix is happening in front of us with uh, a facsimile uh, Trinity. I watched this on Amazon Prime, and you know how when you pause it, it shows you who who's who. The credits. Oh yeah. Uh, the actor playing this version of Trinity is credited as Echo. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I just think I, presumably this is she's just a pro. This character is just a program created by Tom. Right. You know, like this is just like, you know, uh, but these events are being seen by both Bugs, played by Jessica Henwick, and uh, Sequoia, a.k.a. Seek, played by someone from Sense8. Yes. And I'm going to watch it. I've, I, I after I'm, I've, I'm committed now. I'm going to watch. Cl- I'm going to watch Sense8. I am, too. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Great. I agree. We'll do it. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to it's only two seasons in a movie. I can do yeah. it. <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> and it's so I kind of feel like um, this didn't blow my mind when I watched it because I kind of assumed kind of assumed this was how it was going to start. Oh okay. Um, I don't know. I guess because like I don't know. Maybe because I'm just too. I just remember hearing like early buzz of like it's kind of meta. It's a little kind of like new nightmare of Matrix. I'm like okay, so it'll probably open like with them remaking the. <laughs> oh wow okay yeah <laughs> yeah i i guess it didn't really cross my mind but as it was happening i was like oh sure yeah this makes sense mm-hmm, yeah for sure and but similarly to the first one it this opening is doing work mm-hmm. we're like you know in the opening uh vo conversation between bugs and uh, and and seek you're hearing like major you know you're learning what a modal is you're learning why they're there you're learning that they're not supposed to be there that Niobe aka the general is going to be mad at them mm-hmm. like it's there's muscle behind the nostalgia right right um, and it's literally it's literally like 
the the matrix is attempting to weaponize nostalgia like that is like the purpose of the module yeah you know comfort yeah yeah no for sure and and so um bugs is like where are we what is this who who made this right and we later learned that this is a, a modal created by neo himself mm-hmm. to teach this program uh that he created that is like 50 percent morpheus 60 70 percent morpheus maybe 30 40 percent agent smith Right. That is played by Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. And like we kind of learn over the course of the opening that like th- he is kind of the POV character of this. Like we're in his day to day that's being interrupted. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the free guy. Right. Right. And it's really I, I, I like this opening. Well, like uh, the whole thing is just gorgeous. And it's really an introduction to how that playful that light is like being is introducing into this like matrixy opening. Yeah. I yeah. There's some there's some subtle stuff going on here too that I was like I, I well I guess subtle might not be the right word, but there there's some stuff that I didn't notice the first time I watched this because I hadn't rewatched the trilogy mm-hmm. ahead of this and then right we rewatched the trilogy now and now we're watching it again and like the thing like she runs into a locksmith which is yeah, where yeah. he ends up in the hallway and like pulls her through the hallway and into Neo's room. And I was like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know where this is now." Yeah, I know, yeah. I, what he, I oh, he's she's leaving the you know they're offline or they're unsensible, and then they go in another untraceable. Right, right. Um, um, so I like that. One thing that I found very interesting this time was so Morpheus, new Morpheus, is playing the role that Agent Smith played in mm-hmm. the opening of the original Matrix, including the line, you know, uh, no officer, your men are already dead, you know, that he gets to say that line. Um, yeah. Later, when he takes her, takes Bugs into Neo's room mm-hmm. and is, like, sort of confessing what's going on with him internally, and, like, I saw the Matrix code in a mirror mm-hmm. and it, like, cuts to him, like, in a bathroom like washing his face and like i'm like i was just watching this i was like what's going on here like what are you like oh i love that yeah because it's like yeah no 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 i do too i just find it so interesting because i can't imagine agent smith like having a day-to-day life yeah yeah Yeah. it's like it's kind of in retrospect like a reveal of like oh wait does that mean they all do that do they all take showers do they all (laughs) Is that or that or is that just part of the modal that Neo made? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, um, right, right off the bat, I just want to say, you know, I fucking love Bugs. Sure, she's she's so cool. I think Jessica Henwick just delivers so much attitude and personality. Yes, in every like, there's like just so many shots of her just like aiming a gun and close up on the camera, and she just has like movie star presence mm-hmm. and like. The shot. Okay. Oh, speaking of noticing stuff, that where she's like gliding down the marquee of the hotel. Yeah. There's like a sign that says for those who like to eat shit right before she like eats shit. <laughs> oh, that's great. And it's kind of inherent to like, oh, this is kind of a more playful matrix than the old ones. Yeah. And that's kind of ble- it. It works on a few levels because like Lana is much more in a playful experimental place, but also the analyst is a much more 
kind of cocky, added, like funny character than the architect was. Yeah. It's also interesting that the that this opening scene is sort of like foreshadowing the end of the movie in a way, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that like this was created by Tom and yeah. later like Tom and, uh, you know, like Neo and Trinity are going to like be like they're going to recreate the Matrix. Yeah. Paint the sky with rainbows. Right. Exactly. They're going to like do their own their own thing. Um, so I kind of like that as well. I can't wait to just unpack that ending oh yeah uh, because I, I have a lot of thoughts yes absolutely um yeah no but, i love jessica henwick uh big big fan um she was the only reason i watched iron fist and uh she was she's incredible on iron fist um i wouldn't say that it's worth watching but <laughs> if you want if you're going to do it anyway yeah if you're going to do it anyway um it's on disney plus now uh if you're, if you're going to anyway then <laughs> watch it for her um and plus it's what I'm hoping happens with them, like sort of reintegrating those characters into the MCU. I'm really hoping since Iron Fist ended with her becoming Iron Fist, it ended on oh, a yeah. cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. That that's just what they stick with, and like she's um, Iron Fist now. Have you heard the quote that uh, she was apparently in final talks to play? I think it would have been uh, Shang Chi's sister. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and she turned it down because she was like, I don't want to. I'm worried that would close the Iron Fist door. Right. Right. Um, that was a good move like, because. Yeah. God, she's that character rules. Um, nice. And yeah. I and I really I hope heard. that that's the direction that they take it is just like, no, let's just have her be. Iron. She ended the show with her being Iron Fist. It was a cliffhanger. To, you know, yeah. presumably if they had gotten another season, she would have like been like, no, you know what? It's better if you're the Iron Fist. Here you are, you know, white friend, um, white black. Actually, friend. <laughs> I think I think Bond should be 007. Ugh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. So so yeah, I I'm glad that the show was canceled when it was because now it means <laughs> that she could be Iron Fist if they uh, bring those characters back. I also really like the the mutual like Bugs kind of guiding Morpheus through his epiphany and them kind of finding each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually like this, this is actually a really good legacy sequel. Yeah. Cause like, I think it hits all the, it hits all the boxes that force awakens does of like these characters. Remember she knows who Morpheus is. Yeah. And it like, it matters to her that she got to like help this version of this guy. Like, yeah. Wake up or come back in a way. There's definitely legacy sequel elements to it. However, it isn't a true legacy sequel in terms of like the main characters are not the new characters, right? The main character, sure. the main characters are the legacy characters. Um, mm-hmm. And it does work more as an epilogue to the original trilogy than it does as an introduction to a new franchise. Yeah. yeah a new, a new mm-hmm. trilogy or a new ongoing series or whatever. Yeah. yeah um, like Lana isn't setting up a like Sequoia Sebebe spinoff. Right. No. No. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, um, Sequoia Sebebe coming to HBO Max. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a really good, really, really good opening sequence. And mm-hmm. um, it really does feel like, oh, okay, this has like a point. You know, mm-hmm. it, it feels very pointed as opposed to... The first Matrix, which is just sort of like this slow roll of information, this is feels like a little more like, no, I'm coming in 
with with a purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting that, you know, you say you're and you're very correct that this is very much a movie about Neo and Trinity, not like introducing a new generation of characters to carry on the franchise. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why upon like a first watch, it is interesting that Bugs and Morpheus kind of do fade into the background Mm -hmm. as the movie goes on. Mm hmm. And so, you know, like, like this is kind of a divisive movie. This is like, this wasn't everyone's cup of tea. And so I, I don't know, for some reason, as someone who loves the movie, I'm kind of looking for like entry points into like, well, why wouldn't someone like this? Okay. Well, maybe it's this, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, I think, I think the majority of people who don't like it, I think it can really just come down to like, well, the fights weren't as good. And uh, why doesn't Neo and Trinity ever use a gun? Like, you know, I think that's what yeah. it comes to because that's like iconic Matrix shit. And they're like, it's not in here. What the hell? Mm. You know? Yeah. But yeah. then when you give them everything that they want, you get The Force Awakens, which is also very divisive with certain people. So. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's so. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, Force Awakens isn't is also an imperfect movie. Yeah. Of like of like, what's the First Order about? Right. What are. What are why are Han and Leia separated? Yeah. Wait, what's 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 going on here? You know? Yeah. Um it's an interesting business making making these kinds of movies. <laughs> it is. Uh and I don't I don't I don't I don't believe they're inherently bad the way I think a lot of movie nerds do. Like I think there's worth to them. You know, like there's reasons that audiences connect anyway. Yeah. So no, I agree. I agree. Oh yeah. No, I, I just, I, when, when I say anyway, I just, I, we don't, I don't want to get into this. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. Uh, so we wake up or, you know, we reveal that this modal has been created by a game designer, AKA Tom Anderson, AKA Neo Keanu Reeves, who in this new version of the matrix is a legendary game designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won game of the year in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, The game company that he works for is called uh, Deus Machina. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, immediately something that really resonated with me with this movie in particular is kind of like how much I related to Neo in this one. Like now as an adult watching a Matrix movie, how much his life echoes his own. He's like sitting at a desk with like clicking on a thing, making content. He has little toys and stuff on his desk. Yeah. And he's you know he needs a coffee and i was just like oh wow this is weird like yeah sure yeah absolutely um i i think it's also worth pointing out um that he's essentially living the life that cypher was asking for um when he Mm -hmm. was making his deal with smith i want to be somebody important yeah somebody important i don't want to have any memory of the outside world you know, but I, yeah. I want to have to, like, not worry about anything. I just want to be rich and someone important. And here it is. <laughs> here it is. He's and, living a very – yeah. Yeah, but it's it's the difference, right, between Cypher and, and Neo. And the thing the thing that I think is interesting, though, about the Cypher thing – we didn't talk about this then. Mm-hmm. If you erase the memory of the, of the real-world Matrix situation from Cypher, right, and he's just empty and back in the Matrix – Mm-hmm. Isn't he just gonna find his way out again the way that he did the first time? You know, like, no, yeah, for sure, yeah. Like no, you, that, you would think a... you would want to retain the memory so that you're like you appreciate what you have more. I guess absolutely. I think context is everything. Yeah, I, 
I think that's very, I think that's a, a lesson you even learn as a child where like, you know, a day's rest is only meaningful if you can remember the day of hard work from the day before. Right, right. You know, uh, like, I mean, not to get into spoilers, but like, I haven't seen it yet, but like that show Severance. Yeah. There's, there, there's a show on Severance that is about you sever your memory between your work life and your home, home life. life. Yeah. And like. So from the perspective only... of the people who are working, they, they never know, in the work. morning, the elevator opens and they start their day and then they they work until five o'clock and then they get on the elevator door shut and then the doors open again and it's the next day and they're back at work. So there's mm-hmm. never a moment where they're not working. Yeah. And that's, I haven't even, even seen the show yet, but like that's hell. Yeah. I mean, there's literally a character who was like, we're in hell. This is hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like you know, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, okay, okay, I guess for Cipher's from Cipher's mindset, it's like, well, I wouldn't, I can't enjoy my steak and my cushy new life if I'm thinking about how I betrayed, you know, like Dozer and the boys. Yeah, that one, <laughs> you know, I, I'd, I'd feel bad, so I don't want to think about it. I want to like, enjoy this steak, but not like this. Not, not like, like this. Hey, <laughs> that was <we> sad. <laughs> Oh, that was sad when they said that. <laughs> and uh, and I kind of I think about that, too, in my own life of like, it helps me. I appreciate what I have now when I think about more difficult, turbulent times in the past. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had no memory of like, you know, more difficult times, I might not be as like present or grateful for what I have now. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's kind of like, ah, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. But so he uh, Neo's feeling out of it because his his modal has been hacked. It looks like, mm-hmm. or updated without his knowledge. And he's like, huh? But uh, he goes to get a coffee at Simulate mm-hmm. with uh, his work friend. Quote marks Jude. Do you think in the world of the Matrix two point in mm-hmm. in in Thomas Anderson's world, Tom Anderson's world, um, mm-hmm. is Simulate? a like a starbucks brand or is it literally the coffee shop at the bottom of the building that he works and it's called simulate because it's literally a reference to the matrix i think you might be correct i think it might be the second one okay yeah because it makes sense that that's like you know i want to get i want to grab a coffee and they just go to the place at the at the bottom of the building right Right. Kind of like how like there's like the coffee shop in like the Warner Brothers tour, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you can go to Central Perk, you know, like, it's, yeah, definitely. And you know what? I This is just me metagaming now, but I think that would add to Jude's attitude because he's so he's so, he's such a boorish kind of dude. Yeah. And like he kind of has that still in the office attitude. Of like this is our place. This is my special coffee shop that we all have. You know. Yeah, that's true. Do you think he is a program or uh, just a really shitty human plugged into the matrix? Oh. <laughs> I'm a for- I do think Bug says like he's a he's a bot. He's he's a he's designed to like he's he's basically okay. what Chad is. Chad and the kids are. Oh, okay, okay, cool, great. It's what <laughs> whenever someone gets a little too close to waking up, they like come in and like, hey, bro, yeah. Uh, I was, you know, you mentioned thinking about Lana a lot and like that whole, this whole early dialogue between Jude and, um, and, and, and Neo when he's like, 
oh, you really fucked up my childhood, dude. You kind of messed me up. I was dead. He's like, thanks. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, what are you, what am I supposed to say to that? <laughs> yeah. And I can, I, it, it really works on a whole other level. Cause I think the first time I watched the movie, I was kind of like thinking about Neo and like that side of it. But the idea of like, she's just a person. Yeah. Like Lana Wachowski is just a person that gets up and like brushes their teeth and like drives to work, but also has to live with making this thing that means so much Mm -hmm. to so many people in ways that sometimes she's not into and not has really conflicted feelings about. Yeah. And people just come up to them and are like, you changed my life. And she just has to like deal with it every day. I would be really interested in like, okay, so this was Lana's Matrix epilogue i'm and it's Mm -hmm. only lana's yeah i'm very curious one if lily has seen it and what she thinks of it and Mm -hmm. and like two what would lily's solo matrix sequel be like what would what would her like vision of it be in terms of like her personal story or personal stakes in the matrix trilogy you know Right, yeah, like you know, the reason there was that story that was brass around of like, you know, why Lily didn't come back, of like, you know, Lana of course approached her and was like, hey, like, I don't want to look back right now. That feels weird. I don't want to re-explore stuff from that mm. era of my life. Okay, yeah, I'm not. I I need to look forward. I need to keep going this way. Right, and. And Lana was like, yeah, absolutely. So it would be interesting to see, like, what would happen. Because if, you know, the way that one day, like an artist, Lana just woke up and wanted to bring Neo and Trinity back to life. Right. And, like, who knows, one day, X amount of years from now, Lily Wachowski might wake and be like, oh, wait, what if this? Yeah. Like, what if Lily watches Matrix Resurrections at some point? Like, maybe maybe Mm -hmm. she hasn't watched it yet, you know? Yeah. And she, for all of the reason, the baggage of all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day, she's just like, you know what, I... I really should make watch that make time to watch the movie that my sister Why not? made, you know? Yeah. And watches it, loves it, and mm-hmm. then also gets an idea for her own sequel to Resurrections. Right. Sequoia Sababe. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah. And then and then she gets to make her own Matrix sequel. That would be great. I would it, that'd be kind of that'd be a really cool way to epilogue the series. That would be because it's kind of it's like, oh, it's the other half of the coda. Right. Of like you know, yeah, it's because you can't help, you know, the fan of you, the fan and you can't help. But like, it's the same reason when like, you know, just Joel Cohen made that Macbeth movie last year. Yeah. You're like, oh, what does this look like? It's just one. What is the mm-hmm. they're such a creative team. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because that's uh, the other thing, too. Like, if Lily came back, what if Lily was the driving force behind the like over planning everything? Right, yeah. In their it's... partnership, you know? And so yeah. Lily comes back, and it's like, it feels more like the old Matrix movies again, but has, like, this other extra element that wouldn't have been there if Lana had been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was watching, because Cloud Atlas is so crazy, because it's directed by three people. Right, the it, the it's... Run Lola Run guy, right? Yeah, Tom Tyker, who did the score for Cloud Atlas and this movie. Oh, Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. A lot of composers so, becoming directors, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 so it's so interesting because, like, you know, watching Cloud Atlas, even I was like, okay, what is in this that isn't in Matrix? You know, Resurrections. You know, mm-hmm. and it's so impo- You know, it's so it's such a it's such a crazy thing to yeah. like 
what 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 does another perspective do or take away or add to the process yeah it's a lot it's something that we talked about a lot on cornetto minute in terms mm-hmm. of who is edgar wright without simon pegg as a writer you know yeah. what does he bring to the table versus what simon pegg brings to the table and we talked a lot about like baby driver versus star trek beyond mm-hmm. or like paul or paul which is yeah you know simon pegg and nick frost without the finesse of edgar wright yeah yeah um Making sure the actors are stepping in time to the needle drop that's going to be in the movie. Right. Yeah. Which I, I think is, uh, I don't know. That was it, it, I, I love that shit. I find that endlessly fascinating. No, absolutely. Yeah. And we get, uh, there's this like awesome tweet that I, that was came out around December of like, that the Matrix Resurrections is like a coffee meet cute AU written by the author of the thing. Yeah. And yeah, like Trinity walks in. There's like, you know, there's a girl that I like. Well, no, she comes in all the time. Can't talk to her. And Jude's like, I'll do it. Which is kind of, that is like, that's weird. Because if he's a program, that should be like the stupidest thing he could possibly do. Well, I think the thought process is that they send the fuck up to go do it. Presumably Uh, to fuck it up. Um, and oh, and, oh, and kill any chance of them being together. Because he's going to come in and just... You know, swing right. his dick around and be like, oh, well, the MILF doesn't want to fuck you, man. Like, out Too loud. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. Re- yeah, that's a good counter. Yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll let Lana and, know. <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's so, it's so great. Like, it's um immediately, like, you know, seeing just Carrie Ann Moss again in, like, just in this role. I don't know. Their, their chemistry was so immediately. Yeah. It, it, it's. This is immediately one of like the warmest, most human scenes in the whole franchise. It absolutely is. It's the reason why I love this movie, because I wanted mm-hmm. this movie to be about their romance, the, the whole yeah. series. And, you know, watching the special features on this, that's what they're talking about a lot, where they're like, mm-hmm. it was a love story the whole time. And I'm like, OK, but was it, though? Like, I know that <laughs> that it's something that they felt very uh, confident about and felt very strongly about. But in execution, in the trilogy, I do not find their romance particularly compelling right. until it's... this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely talked about it, especially, I think, in the sequels where... You know, it, it it feels like the C plot to that big ep- six hour epic they were making, right? Yeah, and you know, especially when we get to Revolutions, it feels like Trinity is underserved a lot in that movie. Yeah, and I would almost argue that this movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't for those feelings of like, ah, oh, we really kind of didn't nail tr- like Trinity's arc or Trinity and Neo's arc in those three movies. Right, right. Let's give them a better ending. Right, and you know, the romance in the first film it. It never feels like this does, where it's like there's chemistry between these actors. It's more just like she's in love with him because he's the one. It's like the snake eating its own tail thing Mm -hmm. of like, I know you're the one because I love you. But like also I haven't been hinting at the fact that I love you because I'm questioning whether or not you're the one. So it's (laughs) like, well, yeah. yeah, they have all this plot to distract them. Right. And it reminds me, you know, kind of, you know, the Matrix those were made by younger filmmakers. Yeah. And I think like filmmakers that were much more maybe comfortable hiding behind leather, Kung Fu action, no emotion. Yes. And I think part of being human sometimes is the older you get, the more comfortable you are wearing your heart on your sleeve Mm -hmm. and not worrying about looking cool. Mm -hmm. And 
like you kind of it's kind of all over this movie where like you know Neo and Trinity they're both dressed kind of like more casual. Mm-hmm. They're just allowed to be in their late forties, fifties, absolutely fifties, um, and yes. like yeah, like you know even in that Blade Runner movie they like de-age Sean Young. Spoilers, mm-hmm. and it was like oh that's uh all right yeah you know? and like here they're like no look people age you know right 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 and rather than like de-aging trinity in the opening like m- module mm-hmm. they just cast a different actress and they're like yeah it's not yeah. her so that's why it doesn't look like her the doctor sleep method of right yeah <laughs> yeah every casting um, and then afterwards we meet uh a really contentious part of the movie uh neo's boss slash are they would you say they co-run the game company together yeah they're partners i think he is like it's like ceo and cfo kind of okay situation where it's like he's Mm -hmm. the money guy he's the one that talks to the parent company all of that shit and then but he's like creative you know Mm -hmm. he's like the steve jobs or whatever he's not uh, he's not like doing the work Yes, he's Jonathan. Gr- yeah, he's giving them a yeah. product, I guess. Jonathan Groff is uh, Danny Pudi in Mythic Quest. Correct. And Keanu Reeves is uh, Rob McElhenney. Yes. Right. I think that's right. So and this is something that I again, I would not change this movie, but it is something just thoughts the criticisms that I have or just thoughts that I have is like every time I watch this movie, I'm like, God, how much harder would this hit if that was Hugo Weaving? Well, or like I, the kind of darkly like this is so fucked up. If if that was like Hugo weaving in an office, like you know, we made this together, you and I yes. were a team. No, and I, I know, and, and I think that was my understanding is that was always the intention, and the okay. only reason that he isn't here is because of a scheduling conflict. That right, like he, a play. I think, he yeah, I think he was in a play, and it was all of like it was like COVID had to do with it, and like mm, things right. getting pushed back and moved around. But I think it Australia. Was, yeah, it was always the intention that he was going to come back and play this part because for the exact reasons that you said. And then they were like, "Well, we have to shoot it without him," and so mm-hmm. if we're going to do that, then we're not going to just find somebody who's doing a Hugo Weaving impression. Instead, we're just going to yeah. go in a totally different direction. And Jonathan Groff fucking crushes it in this movie. Yeah, he's good. He's he's like he's having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of gets the humor mm-hmm. that Lana is channeling in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I think he's having a lot of fun. I just hope he's in more big movies after this. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, yeah, no, he's good. But then and, and it's it's the situation with him is the exact opposite of the situation with Morpheus, mm-hmm. which is. They never even asked Lawrence Fishburne to come back because the intention was always, well, canonically, due to The Matrix Online, canonically Morpheus is dead, so Lawrence Fishburne cannot come back. Yeah. Um, so so it's interesting. And we, we can go and talk about this now while we're on the subject. Is Because I really paid special attention this time. Later on when they're in Io, mm-hmm. um, Neo is walking with, with Niobe and she's like, yep. When those machines came, Zion got torn to shit. Morpheus died believing in a lie. And Neo's like, oh, man, that sucks. And I'm like, I actually, <laughs> I prefer the canon of Matrix Online where he just gets, like, sniped really quick by an assassin. Because mm. that's, like, in the, in the cutscene of Matrix Online. Right. It's like some dude crawls out of a little hole in the side of a wall and just shoots Morpheus dead. Yeah. 
and runs off. But like, I don't, yeah, I don't like to think about him like watching Zion crumble to the ground being his like last moments. I don't think it is his last moments. I think it was just at the same, it would, they, I think, I think he did die the way he died in Matrix Online. It's just, she's saying he uh, died knowing that it was a lie because of also God, seeing yes. Zion fall. Yeah. I, I kind of, okay. Yeah. I like that he, yeah. I, I just, uh, yeah, it's nicer to believe that he just died believing like everything's going to be fine. The machines aren't going to invade Zion. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. So the Keanu, yeah, sure, is told that, uh, hey, we're doing we're doing the Matrix game again. Warner Brothers wants it. It's happening. And Tom starts freaking out because he really has conflicted feelings about the Matrix. In fact, while winning his Game of the Year award in 1999, he attempted suicide. Because he felt so disconnected from reality, despite like, you know, reaching these big great creative heights Mm -hmm. it didn't bring him the satisfaction or happiness that he thought it would right again it's just something that plays a lot differently when you know you think about this being like a a, a more personal work from you know imagine like you know creating this big pop culture culture defining piece of art and then still being a human (laughs) right like waking up in the morning living a life and having all these crazy problems in your life you know right um and yeah, and like you know, in the case of of Lana, I mean, she she mentions it in the in the um, the the uh, Matrix Resurrected uh, special feature. Um, oh, okay, yeah, she mentions the fact that like that is something that she was emotionally sort of going through and reckoning with was on the other side of the Matrix, just being like, why don't I feel better? And then eventually coming to terms with the fact that she's a trans woman and wasn't living her truth, you know? Um, And that was the thing that was holding her back, not a lack of success because now she had all the success in the world and still Mm -hmm. felt miserable. What the fuck is up with that? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's also something to be said about someone not being their true self, making the matrix and then, you know, feeling the need to go back to the matrix to be like, no, I want to make one as me. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. It, and that inherently has so much more value to me as a audience member, as a film goer than like, well, you know, timer says it's time for a new Batman Mm -hmm. and like, and I love the Batman, but I, I, and I love like, I like Spider-Man no way home and I like ghostbusters afterlife. Sure. But I also think it's important to champion these, financially underperforming critically divisive movies that are very clearly not to say any of those movies weren't made with love but like this has so much value to it too because it's not the thing maybe that a lot of people were expecting or asking for right because it's it's what the creator wanted to make and that inherently has more value to me than what i want or expect out of a thing right yeah absolutely absolutely and and so uh neo goes to meet his therapist played by Neil Patrick Harris, who is also, I think, doing a great job. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, controversial <laughs> thought. I th- thought I think he's the worst part of this movie. Um, uh, okay, okay. Uh, even uh, like even in these parts, or just when he does like his, his full all heel turn. All of it. Okay, cool. cool, cool. It, it's just he's just Neil Patrick Harris, and it's he's just doing his Neil Patrick Harris thing, and mm-hmm. especially post Barney. 
You know, because like prior to that and around that period, you had like Harold and Kumar and PH that thing, and then the Barney was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Barney was like a, 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 like what if Neil Patrick Harris was straight? Like that was the joke, I guess, in the Harold and Kumar stuff, and then Barney Mm -hmm. was a response to that, I think, um, in in terms of like the popularity of that, I think. If which one came first, was it Harold and Kumar or? I feel like they were really congruent. I think it was literally like. Harold and Kumar, the first one was 04, and then How I Met Your Mother was 05. Okay. So, yeah. So, it was like, oh, this is who he is now, I guess. is like, And it was also kind of the like, whoa, remember Doogie Howser? Right. Now he's like drinking beer. And, and he's a womanizer. Sex. Isn't that he's funny? A um, So, like, but after post How I Met Your Mother, everything that Neil Patrick Harris has done since then has been this. Mm-hmm. Um, this same sort of like calm collected sarcastic thing i don't know mm-hmm. how to describe it but it's just it's he's been in one mode ever since the end of how i met your mother and i don't think he does anything outside of that mode in this movie mm-hmm. i don't think it's an interesting performance to me i i'm like there's a million other people that you could have gotten who could have given you something way more interesting than what he's giving you in this Ooh. i don't know is there anyone that pops off in your head Um, Tyler Perry. I, I, I mean, well, no. The first thing that pops into my he- head is you you cast an actress. Um, mm, yeah, not an actor. Oh, oh, you don't do that. For, okay, pop, first thing that popped in my head, uh, Christina Ricci. Oh, totally. Yes, totally. You would have gotten something like, much more interesting. Or Freema Agyeman, who's in the movie. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, any any of the 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 people from the yeah the yeah. game development. I think I think that would have been good. Um, you know, if you wanted to do a dude like John Goodman, would have been an interesting choice. Oh, wow, Just yeah. like something interesting. That, I don't know. John Goodman's intro. Well, it's a. I think he and I think he is effectively cast in this because I buy this dude being the like shitty web 2.0 successor to the architect yeah of like he's the like business casual architect yeah where he's not he's still just as ruthless but he's not going to he has to like fluff it up by being i think i I think it's like i kind of get what you're saying because he is just very much doing neil patrick harris yeah but i think it's like used effectively for me in this yeah i don't know yeah it doesn't Uh, it doesn't work for me personally and for sure and i think it's just it feels to me like, oh, yeah, let's cast Neil Patrick Harris, who will look good in the clothes that we're picturing this person wearing, you know? In the blue, in the blue glasses. In the blue glasses, the, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more interesting. Like, um, Patrick Brewster would have been, like, uh, a yeah. really interesting casting choice here, or I don't For know. Sure. There's just Or in most cases. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, le- so, my least uh... favorite part, for sure, is Neil Patrick Harris. Definitely. Well, we'll yeah, we'll we'll keep we'll return to the analyst. I'm sure throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, so the scene that Neo has with the analyst is was interesting to me. I kind of saw, even though knowing that he was the villain, I could kind of see. It's it see it smelled like good therapy to me, of when he was like, no, I actually think this was you using your fantasies mm-hmm. as like a defense mechanism. It makes sense. You're not crazy. I'm like, oh, and that's kind of the brilliance of his version of the Matrix is it's comfortable. Right. It's like you said, like the first version of the Matrix, you you could walk around in three hours and be like, I think I'm in a computer. I think I'm in a computer world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that horizon's real. 
<laughs> I think it has this weird green tint, and blue tint. Because <laughs> like you can see Tom trying to, he wants to believe his therapist. He wants to, he doesn't want to have another episode like he did on the roof because he, he's told himself that was a bad thing. I almost killed myself. That's, it's not good. Right. That can't happen again. Right. And uh, then we get uh, Neo trapped in his own modal. Just trapped in this cycle of waking up, making content, drinking coffee, listening to people drone on about the Matrix, mm-hmm. cardio, and it's and I I I love that scene because it just really humanized Neo in a way that he hadn't been in, like you said, since the first movie. Right, right. Um, no, I love I all, love yeah. that sequence a lot. Um, I think. Uh, I think uh, Tom Anderson in the bathtub with the with the rubber ducky on his head is like I mean it's like an icon it's like maybe the iconic image from this movie yeah um, which says a lot about the movie uh, and, and <laughs> probably your mileage of it um, <laughs> true parody yeah <laughs> but uh, one perfect shot <laughs> yeah um, but uh, no I I love this sequence I love them talking about the matrix. I love like Christina Ricci, like with like the focus group research. Yeah. The focus group research where they're like, they think that it's what, what are the two words? Or, or, originality and fresh. <laughs> originality and fresh. Just like, so keep that in mind when making the matrix four or beyond. Okay. And Keanu's like, Oh fuck. Okay. All right. Great. We'll we'll keep it original and we'll keep it fresh. Great. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy and... peasy. Thanks for, thanks for letting us know. <laughs> And yeah, like it's it's just merciless. I mean, no, it's merciless of like she attacks it from every possible angle. You have like the guy who's like, dumb it down. People don't want to think. They just want guns. They want, you know, just all of the like what the Matrix, the game means to everyone. And just Neo's just befuddlement of like, I don't even know what it means to me. And I made it. Yeah. 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 And just like the idea of developing something that you have no interest in doing. I think is yeah. also really interesting. Um, but then he's like, he's trying to, cause he's watching the Kung Fu movies. He's, he's doing the VR headsets, you know, he's yeah. really trying to throw himself at it because he thinks, well, maybe this will bring me purpose. You're right. And, and it's really, it, it's, I think I, I like it a lot because it kind of is resonating in the same way that the first matrix resonated with so many people in 99 of as someone who is now like a member of like the American workforce, like, this looks a lot like my life mm-hmm. of like, I'm in this cycle of like working and making stuff and drinking coffee and working out and, you know, just like staring at, you know, and, yeah. and I don't know the, 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 the I keep going back to the thing about the matrix being comfortable in this version mm-hmm. because he's living well. Yeah. He, he's treating himself to like steak and fries every once in a while. Right. But there's like an itch that he can't scratch. Right. Right. No, it's it's interesting how desperate the Matrix is to keep him this time around. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, in the OG Matrix, they're just like, listen, you piece of shit. You're just a cog in the machine. Shut the fuck right, up yeah. and do your job. And then here's mm-hmm. like, what do you want? Do you want steak? Do you want money? Do you want, you know, do you want women? Oh, yeah. Like, what do you want? <laughs> we'll do anything That's to true. keep you here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's man. Yeah. Every, cause then, you know, we get, uh, she, she, he's back at Simulate without Jude and he meets Tiff, you know, 
Decade of Trinity. Do you think – what what is the bit – before I forget, at the yeah, end yeah. where she's like, Tiff? And he was like, it's just a personal joke, like whatever – I don't know. I okay. I yeah. I, I was like, what the hell know. is he talking about? What are they talking about? What is this in reference to? Um, yeah, oh, it went over my head because I because I was like, I was wondering like, oh, is Tiffany her Thomas Anderson name? Like before she was taken out of the Matrix, was her oh, name Tiffany? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Accepted. Yeah, which I like because it's just so fucked. Like, it's just like... Yeah, it's that, not her. Yeah, that does not... You do not look like a Tiffany, even remotely. <laughs> yeah, and I really like that because it, you know, you, you it's so easy to forget that Trinity had her own journey that Neo had. Yep. She was leading her life that didn't feel real to her as presumably Tiffany. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh my God. Okay, so the scene where they're they're getting coffee and, you know, Tiffany is like... Yeah, I went home and I Googled your games and like, I don't know, something about I really like the character of Trinity mm-hmm. and I saw myself in her mm-hmm. and I know that sounds weird, but like it, I, I saw myself as Trinity and when I told my husband about it, he laughed at me and it's I laughed with him and I was like, oh, this is so beautiful because it's about, I guess from her perspective, she sees herself in a fictional character and that is something that can be seen as like, some people can laugh at of like people seeing themselves identifying with these fictional characters or finding power in them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that is examined again and again in the movie of characters telling Neo and Trinity, you inspired me. You helped me become who I am now. Mm-hmm. And again, like it, it, I can't, I can't picture scenes like this happening in the other, the past two movies. No. Cause Again, it's why this movie works so much better as an epilogue rather than as like a sequel, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's not it's just not interested in doing the same thing again. It's interested in commenting on the on those the, the previous three films, but it's mm. a wholly new thing built out of our memory of those of that trilogy, you know? Yeah. Like you can imagine like Lana being in meetings like the ones that Neo sat through of people who didn't help make the first Matrix telling her it has to outdo or be bigger or reinvent the wheel again or be revolutionary and it not speaking to her. Right. Or right. I like I was I, I thought about um I thought about Rockstar uh while watching mm-hmm. this because you know, they recently announced that they're like in active development on Grand Theft Auto 6 and Grand Theft Auto 5, I think, came out, I want to say, like 12 years ago or something like that. I mean, like sure, yeah. an obnoxiously long period of time ago. Mm-hmm. And and I was just thinking about it and I was like, you know, when Grand Theft Auto 5 came out, they're like, yeah, the map is twice as big as Grand Theft Auto 4. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, OK, cool. And what's the story? And they're like. Well, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's the same three people. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're, you're three different people this time, but it's the, it's the same shit. It's like, you come to the city, you're a nobody and you become somebody and that's the arc of the game, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, now they're making a Grand Theft Auto six and I'm like, it's just going to be the same thing. Like they're not going to reinvent the wheel. Like they can't, right? There's too many people counting on them counting on this to be a massive success 
And so they're right. just going to double the map again, and they're going to do another crime story where you start at the bottom and work your way up, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, as the creators, like at Rockstar, I can't imagine that they're all like thrilled to tell another story that's exactly the same as the, all of the previous ones, you know? Right, yeah, we're like the or the pressure to do so. Right. Is like, you know, you want to talk about like, you know, movies being under scrutiny of corporations. Right. Like a game like you cuz like the half like Grand Theft Auto 5 is still selling millions of copies every month. Right. And like it's almost a decade old. Right. And so it's like we need that to keep happening. So like it can't be like Presumably, if they had, if they wanted to do something radically different, Rockstar, right? They like it, the environment isn't there to do so, or they have so much pressure to, like, yeah, just keep making the thing that's expected, right? Right. Um, man, I don't know. The uh, that's the thing that I love about this movie is like when you look at the other the the Matrix trilogy, all it, the things that it makes you think about are mm-hmm. all internal to the film series, right? There are some people who like the idea of like the real world, like all of this being a simulation, like that blew people's minds. Right. But that's like you take you literally take a philosophy 101 class and you have that same conversation about like what is reality, what is experience. That that conversation is older than the Matrix. Yes. Oh, way older. Way like it's ancient. Um, And and so. But what what this does and like all the other conversations that you have within that is like, oh, what could what what is what is, you know, this character and and, you know, what is what does this character represent in like Matrix stuff? And like, oh, like what does the war with the you know, like you're just like thinking Mm -hmm. about things internally as far as like the world of the Matrix. This one, though, feels so much more open and like. Yeah. There's so much more like chewy stuff to think about outside of just like the 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 story of like the matrix and the 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 um mythology, the matrix mythology. It's yes. all there's a lot of like there's the meta text but like it goes beyond that. You know, like you're thinking about things that have nothing to do with the matrix um mm-hmm. but are related to this movie. No, for sure. I have a lot to say to that, but I think there's better times in the plot to bring that up. Okay. <laughs> but but put a pin in that. All right. So uh, there is an office attack at Deus Machina Games. Uh, some some people think they're being swatted by some teenager because of they didn't like the new Matrix update, which uh-huh. goes exactly what you said about the Grand Theft Auto thing. Yeah. Of, you know, if they made surprise, it's like, you know, you're taking care of a dog or something. They would get like swarmed with hate from teenagers. Yeah. So uh, Neo runs into the bathroom and meets Morpheus, and he he parodies himself. Yeah, with the at last, that was like the only big laugh when I saw this in theaters. Because <laughs> and it was kind of fun because I kind of forgot about that moment because I didn't rewatch the old ones. Yeah, and so I'm like, oh, he does say that, you know. But it kind of goes back to like it's th- it's a throw. He does it in a toilet, right? Whereas if this was directed, you know, if this is a more reverential Matrix like a sequel. Right. Well, you can't just do it in a toilet. Yeah. And he even references yeah. like, yeah, I wanted to be theatrical <laughs> with the thunder and the thing. And the, you know, but we don't, we don't have time. We don't have time for all that. Yeah. We're, we're shooting this under a very tight schedule. Yes. <laughs> we haven't had a lot of prep time. This- <laughs> I love the confirmation from Morpheus that Morpheus is a drama queen. Like that he like was always mm. doing that shit on purpose of just <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah, no, I planned all that shit. 
<laughs> I love that. No, that's great. There's also that part later on where Niobe's like, oh, yeah, and then Morpheus was elected high, elected high head of the council. He loved that. <laughs> that made him so happy. Oh. And so, uh, but it, yeah, it's, and so I, I really, I think this is an interesting character, but I, I like, I like this Morpheus and I think Yahya Abdul-Mateen is doing a really, he's, he's having, fun. I don't know. He's having a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I like that, that one Sequoia had, it was really hard hacking the mirror, but Neo just like runs straight past it. Yeah. My, my, if I have a complaint, I wish he had more to do. Yes. Um, he does a lot with a little. Yeah, he does a lot with a little. I wish he had more to do in terms of like ramifications to the plot. I yeah, because you know he airs very, uh, pra- you know, like when he tells Neo, it's it's kind of thrown away. But when he's like, "Yeah, you made a prison for me to just bang my head against the wall and drive myself crazy for kind of an exercise," that's fucked. You're a bad person. And he kind of just has to be okay with it because he doesn't get an arc yeah, in this. Right. And, but yeah, you're like, that is, you know, that's crazy that that happened to him. Like, what's this guy? What's this guy like? Right, right. He just sort of tosses it off, be like, but I knew, I know you didn't know any better, you know? And like, so no, <laughs> yeah. no harm, no foul. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I like a lot of this shootout. It is kind of an early, it's the first action sequence of the movie, kind mm-hmm. of in a way. Yeah. And so I really like, you know, like, Yaya looks really cool when he's doing, like, the double gun. It's super 90s, super, like, John Woo. Right. And then the sprinklers but, start going, like, the mm-hmm. like the end of the first Matrix when they're, like, yeah. when they're saving Morpheus. And you've got, like... That's true. Um, you've got, like, Smith sort of, like, snapping out of it and re- remembering yeah. who he is and screaming Mr. Anderson and with the mm-hmm. sprinkler system. And, like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. And, and it is, but it is also an early indicator of... It is not a, you know, it is not the balletic Yun Wu-Ping, like, gun-fu of, like, the previous trilogy. It's its own thing. Right. Much more, like, 90s, like, American 90s of, like, fast cuts and close to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also, I think it does the film a service thematically, though, in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, it's not this is not a story about Neo being the one. That is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't about building him into a machine killing, you know, G- kung fu Jesus. G- yeah. Kung fu Jesus. Yeah. This is about a man overwhelmed with like having accomplished so much and then feeling overwhelmed by continuing to exist. And his continued right. <laughs> existence and just being surrounded by people who are doing this crazy shit. But mm-hmm. we're focused on him. So rather than focusing on the action and making it look balletic and amazing, you're focused mm-hmm. on Neo and and it it makes all of that balletic choreography look like absolute chaos mm-hmm. surrounding yeah. him. And he's just mm. like, ah, like, leave me alone. Like, it's, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm an old man. He's act- Stop. <laughs> yeah, he's actively refusing the call, both from Morpheus and, like, you know, fans of the movie who want, you know, Kung Fu Jesus again. Right, right. He's like, no, I'm not about that. I did that. I <laughs> I did my jury duty. I don't want to do I it already, again. I already did that. I'm going to do something else yeah. now. 
So he uh, he he is like told by the analyst that that was another episode that none of that happened. Mm-hmm. He's questioning reality. There's a cat named Deja Vu. Great name for a cat. Oh yeah. And uh, back on the roof, Neo decides to take a leap of faith and jump off the roof again, mm-hmm. but is saved this time by Bugs. He's a little drunk, right? He's a little drunk. Yeah. He's been drinking. Yeah, that's true. And so uh, Bugs. <laughs> saw Neo try to jump all that time ago. Right. And now gets to directly save him. Right. And uh it's a cool it's a cool little moment. I like, you know, she's she has the the white rabbit tattoo. Um it's just a cool like meeting your hero moment. It's or a cool version of the meeting your hero moment that we see in movies like this. Right. Right. Um I I also just in general, in terms of like where Neo is at as a character, mm-hmm. it's very easy to draw the straight line between Neo and Lana. Lana is Neo. Neo is Lana, right? In terms mm-hmm. of like, Warner Brothers wants you to make a sequel to The Matrix. Oh, God damn it. All right. You know, like you, you could mm-hmm. see like that meta nature of it. But then also from the perspective of like Neo as a character, mm-hmm. he fulfilled his purpose as the one. Yeah. He's done. He did it. Why are you dragging me back into this shit? Like, you know? Yeah. And, and so, like, I just, I love that there's, it has all of those those layers. Oh, absolutely. It know? isn't just working on it. It, all, it is also working as just text. Right. Right. As just the next Matrix adventure. Yeah. Of, like, yeah, this guy wouldn't be raring to go. No. You know? N- not unlike another famous hero from our childhoods that maybe acted against our expectations in a big sequel. Uh, Luke Skywalker. Oh, true. Very true. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we learn one of my, one of a cool thing I like about, uh, the technology is like the window mm-hmm. of like, now they can just like create a window and go through it. It's not about like through mirrors. finding these little through mirrors. It's not about finding these like little access points. Right. Um, as bug says, they don't have to like, you know, hunt for pay phones anymore. Right. So, uh, they go through the portal into a bullet train in Japan um, that's another, another thing. That's another thing right there. There's Japan in this movie. Like they were in right, one yeah. city and now they're across mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's like the map has grown, you know, like it, sure. in, in matrix one, 1. 1.0, it was like a city. And, mm-hmm. and now we have like a whole world where they can like go to Japan. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I think it, it all goes to like adding, um, or reinforcing the decision to like shoot it the way that they've shot it of, in that sort of like grounded way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus that like hella planned out, you know, storyboarded within an inch of its life way of the original trilogy. Uh, they go to an abandoned theater where uh, the first matrix is being projected on a wall and uh, Morpheus is there and they're trying a different tactic. Like Morpheus said, uh, nothing like a little nostalgia, to uh, make you feel a little more safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned that it has been uh, 60 years since the Matrix, or since the uh, the events of Matrix Revolutions. Uh, then they are caught by the police, and they have to go back through the bullet train, and we get um, a bullet, the, the bullet train shootout. And a lot of this works for me. The uh, just the kind of like the frenziness of it. You're right. Like a lot of the action is very like 
frenzied and like bewildering as opposed to like choreographed and drawn out. Yeah. But yeah, it just reinforces what the movie is about, which I really like. And, and Neo's Mm -hmm. arc. Yeah. And, uh, again, Jessica Henwick just fucking crushes. Yeah. Just every, she just looks so cool. This whole movie, you know, here's, here's a thought. And and this is this is doing exactly what we taught what we what we criticize people from doing at the beginning of this, but uh-huh. would would the version of this movie that was entirely from the perspective of Trinity mm-hmm. be like how would that change things in terms of like the payoff oh, of the ending and everything? I think it's as absolutely a worthwhile story to be told there of like her waking up every morning with this family that she didn't ask for but feels compelled to take care of because like wasn't that it feels like the right thing to do but she's not connected to it yeah you know and then meeting this strange guy that she's like attracted to in more ways than one she's like i feel a connection to this person because that's what a lot of cloud atlas is about is like the idea that these we have these relationships that transcend even time and space right yeah. Huh. Yeah. It would be a shorter movie, I would say. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> but or like or or the idea of like, you know, Bugs trying to wake up Trinity. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, we need to help, you know, you need, you're the only person that can help us. Like you and the you and Neo were always a chemical reaction, like right. the analyst said. We can't snap like... out Neo without you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you lose the inverse of this time it's like Neo has to be the one, you know, he says it in the movie of like, it's my turn to like help her wake up. Right. Right. That's true. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I like the I like this shootout. I, I'm, I'm into it. I like, Oh, and then like swarm mode. We haven't talked about the idea of bots. Mm-hmm. Agents have been replaced with, um, they are now just the matrix has the ability to activate any, person who is connected to the matrix and turn them into a member of the swarm. Right. So like instead of one agent tearing through and chasing you, everyone in this bullet train activates at once and the crew just has to fight them off. Right. Right. Which is, yeah, just sort of like a quicker way of doing what they did before with the agents where like you kill an agent and then he just possesses somebody else, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is another thing that kind of like, you know, there's a there's a meta textual aspect to like, oh, now it's, you know, in a world where everyone has an iPhone, man, like we're all agents. Right. Everyone has a everyone has a camera. Everyone can, you know. Right. And it resonates because like I, you know, kind of what you said earlier, Scott, is like this movie gives you a whole new codex of ways to look at our life now in 2022. Yes. Because swarm mode makes me think of how. It's so difficult, you know, like in a world where someone having a mental episode can be filmed and people can suddenly, you know, strangers can take out their phones and film you and upload pictures of you without wanting to Mm -hmm. and become part of the tool oppressing you and controlling you. Right. Or even without wanting to, you know, like your phone can be used as a microphone and like, oh, we have Scott Corelli's voice. We know where he is, you know. Right. Like you can't. It isn't just the guy in the suit that you can't trust. Right. It's just everyone and every everything. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And so uh, Sequoia is able to create a window in the uh, the bathroom. Bugs pushes Neo through, and Neo is right back in the pod. Right. In a in a farm. Right. But a special the, special wing. A special wing of the farm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he briefly sees Trinity, but is rescued by Sebebe, mm-hmm. who uh, we'll learn more about later. But uh, he escapes and he is brought uh, to the uh, the crew of the Menzanine, the Menzine, the men, the, the Menemazine, the Menazine. Yeah, yeah, I got it right. <laughs> uh, yeah, right back where he started. Yeah, and uh, we meet the the crew. Mm-hmm. Who uh, a lot of which we have met already. Yeah, this is the part. This part of the movie, everything in, set in the real world, is all shot generally like it always had been. Right? I mean, it doesn't. These don't feel that different. They're, it doesn't have compared to the yeah yeah. It doesn't have like a different color scheme or anything mm-hmm. like that. Whereas, like you know, within the Matrix. It used to have that green tint on everything, and mm-hmm. now it's, like, more colorful and, you know, not afraid to, like in, – in fact, I I think it, like, mostly avoids the color green, actually, like, to really, like, trick um, Neo into, like, believing this is the real world and not, like, a fake, you know. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Like, taking away anything that could trigger sense memories into, like, oh, the Matrix. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I think all of this stuff in the real world is like generally like shot pretty similarly to mm-hmm. the way that it was in the original trilogy. It's a little less oh. dirty, I would say, but mm-hmm. we, uh, we get a great scene where, uh, Neo is visited by bugs in his cabin mm-hmm. and Neo's feeling a, a little dejected, understandably of like, did anything I do matter? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's again, it's something that kind of works on a few levels where you have Lana Wachowski saying like, God, that I made this thing and it kind of meant the world to me and it meant so much, but like, did it even matter? Cause like, we're still kind of dealing with the same stuff that we were before. We didn't, maybe we didn't move the needle as much. Yeah. But, and then there's Neo kind of like you said, like I did my thing. I did the prophecy and I saved the, the I beat the bad guys. You're telling me that didn't matter. Yeah. And it's it's also something that resonates in this world where we're not letting movie characters or movie series end. Right. Where it's like, well, what does it matter how, movie, you know, if Michael Keaton, Batman, we're just going to, like, electrocute him back to life and make him, you know. <laughs> Dance him around again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, or, like, you know, it, it was a kind of a... I remember when uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home was rolling out, people were like, oh, but I kind of liked Doc Ock's ending, you know, like... Things can end, right? Or like we're seeing it again with people might show up in more Marvel movies that had really poignant, cool final scenes. But like things don't end anymore. Right. Because it, it's all just meant to be regurgitated and resur- resurfaced back into the IT. Like, oh, now I found the thing in the attic. And now I'm the new guy. You know? yeah, right. But what I really like about the scene, too, is it counters that cynicism. Bugs doesn't let Neo wallow in this pit he's like no it mattered you mattered and i'm gonna show you right and like well hey it inspired me and i matter <laughs> you know yeah and but then you know we meet the crew and they're all really fun and like 
they are still energized and they're still passionate about freeing minds the way Neo and his generation were. Yeah. And we meet the machines. We meet Sebebe. And Neo's like, look, like, or Bugs tells Neo, like, this is a direct result of what you did. Like, the machine saw the peace and lived through the peace that you and Trinity created mm-hmm. that lasted decades. Mm-hmm. And now we're working together. Like, my, one of my favorite lines in the movie is in Bugs, like, you changed what our side means. Right. And it's something that a lot of, like, you know, even the uh, the Star Wars sequels, I don't think effectively did, which is, like, show you, show the audience what the original people did mattered and how the world has evolved and changed in the wake of, right the old, you know, the old movies. It's not just like, well, now there's just another empire? What are these guys about? Right, right. Instead, everyone's like, you mean that guy was fucking real? He's real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it is a little depressing to be like, oh god, it's just uh, they're just gonna keep. There's always gonna be a war. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, it's what happens when you call it Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and that movie wasn't allowed as, you know, that movie got had got uh, had a much more turbulent production process than Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, Force Awakens for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, Neo is taken to uh, the construct, that white prism where uh, Morpheus was the first time where he learned about, you know, the rules and the the history and stuff. Right. And I really like how that's just kind of Morpheus's apartment. Yeah. Like, this is where <laughs> like I chill. I live in. Welcome. This is where I chill out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it's really cool. It's, I think there's like an underrated sense of optimism in this movie of like, you know, we live in really dark times right now where I think a lot of people have trouble conceiving of a brighter future or a world where we learn from our problems. And it was it's cool seeing the Matrix kind of fight its own image of dystopia and being like, look, no, agents and like, like so we call them sentience now. We don't call them machines. Right. Because they have rights and they want to help and they're people, you know, like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. And it's uh, I and I like the. Like uh, throughout everything that they've done since the original trilogy in the real world, it's all this sort of merging of the two things and it's become this sort of um, synthesis of those two worlds and, and outlooks and. You know, where it's like you have like humanoid programs who can't leave the Matrix because they Mm -hmm. wouldn't exist. They find a way they create technology to allow them to exist in a fashion in the real world so that they can interact with it. You know? Yeah. Wow. I actually that's really now, you know, you make listening to it worded like that. It makes me think of like. You know, there's all the we talk about making a world more hospitable for more types of people. Yeah. You know, we talk about, you know, making places more like handicap accessible Mm -hmm. or like just, you know, thinking about uh, making the world more accommodating for all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And it fits into this like, no, like it matters. We more we we need to find a way to make Morpheus a presence here in the real world, too, so we can access this and be like sand and talk. Right. And it's just. It's even uh, when we go to IO, when we travel to like the city after Zion Falls, it's arguably or almost inarguably a better city than Zion. Right. They have an artificial sky. Yeah. 
they can grow strawberries. Yeah. And plants. And Niobe's like, they meet old Niobe. And she's like, none of this would have been possible without accessing the sentience. Right. And I guess that kind of introduces a major part of the movie that we haven't talked about yet, which is like the explosion of the binary. Mm -hmm. And, and I really wanted to get to it. You mentioned it earlier, Scott of like challenging the restrictive form of the matrix trilogy. Yes. Challenging even the idea of man versus machine. Yes. Plugged or unplugged. Right. Red pilled or blue pilled. Right. And the characters in the movie say over and over again that that's bullshit. Yeah. And we don't have to live that way. They always, you know, it says like, we doesn't have to, we don't have to be at war. Right. And it's like really, it's really cool ideas to be introduced into like, you know, the sequel of this big crazy action series. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I just, I love the idea of like, you know, they introduced the, the concept of programs being created by other programs that serve no purpose other than mm -hmm. being a representation of like parental love. Right. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and we meet that character grown up mm -hmm. um, in, mm -hmm. in this movie. But um, the the idea that like now they want to plug into the Matrix, but their Matrix is the real world. Mm -hmm. And so that's what that you know, that, that like crazy, like metal technology, the magnet technology that they use, like that's yeah. what that is essentially for them, um, is mm -hmm. plugging into their matrix, which is our world. And yeah, yeah. And you're just sort of like cohabitating, you know, it's like you're visiting each other's worlds and you're learning from each other and building culture together. And that's what they want. I think both things to be. And mm -hmm. then you have the analyst, being a dick about it you know right the analyst who who just sees humans as batteries right that it even he even what's so weird about and cool about this movie i don't think i really caught it until this watch through is there isn't a war going on right you know the niobe isn't you know there is a military system in place like you know bugs gets grounded she gets her her, her keys or codes taken away right because she disobeys a direct order right but there isn't a revolution. They're not actively. In fact, Bugs criticizes Niobe of like, you're not trying hard enough to unplug people. Right. We're not freeing minds like we used to. And Niobe's like, why? They don't want to be free. Yeah. And I kind of see where Niobe's coming from. Right. And that makes me feel. And that's what I really like about this movie is I'm uncomfortable because like, I don't know where I am in this universe immediately. Yeah. Of like, would I want to be unplugged? What does it mean to be plugged in in this year? And then, you know, the answer is you can be hacked at any time and made to commit suicide and jump out of building. Right. <laughs> and agency is an illusion. Yeah. In, in, in the Matrix. Right. Uh, but yeah, like I just thought all of that was really, really rich and interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool world building in terms mm -hmm. of like what, what, what does 60 years in the future look like? And once again, we are also dealing with weird right. w weirdness where like more time has passed than they believe mm -hmm. where like when Morpheus says it's been like a hundred years, it's really been like 700 years. It's mm -hmm. just that they've been repeating it over and over again. And then here he's like, it's been like 20 years. Like, no, it's been like 60 years. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. There's a part in cloud Atlas where in the far future, 
you know, where they're all it the 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 placement is one hundred and six years after the fall. Mm-hmm. So like presumably like there was some kind of collapse of Western civilization and the part where, you know, it's Tom Hanks in like in like the jungle, it takes place a hundred years after that. The truth truth. The true true. Yeah, yeah the true true. So, sometimes the big true true is different than the little true true. <laughs> How sad is it that is inarguably the biggest, the thing that most people remember about that movie, and it's like a Rick and Morty joke. Yeah. Uh. Um, so we, uh, of course, the crew breaks Neo out of there. They get back into the Matrix, and we meet Smith. And I, I want to talk this out with you, Scott, because it's a bit of the plot that I'm a little bit smudgy on. Mm-hmm. So um, Smith is like, hey... Tom, uh, you're trying to wake up Trinity. I can't let you do that because I don't want to go back under the needle anymore. I want to still, I don't want to go back to being that weird game designer guy I was. I want to be Smith and be free and do what I want to do and get loaded and have a good time. Right, of course. Natch. Yeah. So why can't he? Is it because? Okay. Okay. So he won't let Neo wake up Trinity. Uh huh. And he's like, because if you do that, is it because he doesn't think he can wake up Trinity? So he's like, you're gonna try, and the analyst is gonna stop you, and then we're gonna be go, we're gonna go right back to where we were before in Act One. Well, I think he's afraid that. When he releases her, they're going to do what they did last time, which is reset the matrix. Oh, okay. I think. Um, okay. That that was how I understood it, but but it's not. It's certainly not clear. Um, Good. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's certainly not <laughs> why? clear. Yeah. Because like all three times I've seen this movie, I'm like, why doesn't he just let this happen? What does it matter? He's right. Free. Uh, we meet the exiles. One of which is our old friend, the Merovingian. <laughs> there is so he is in the special feature, uh, the the Matrix Resurrected on the on the Blu-ray, and um, he is in the full hobo outfit, mm-hmm. but he's sitting in a chair, cross-legged, like w- oh, with his legs yeah. crossed, and he's just speaking very eloquently, like a Frenchman, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it is the funniest thing I've ever seen because yes, they asked me back after, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he looks like that. He looks like a fucking <laughs> madman. <laughs> it's the best. Oh man. So let's talk about the Merv for a second. Yeah. Uh, he has this big jabbering monologue during the fight scene. Yeah. Where he's bemoaning the state of pop culture. Yeah. You know, we used to have conversations. We used to talk, not this, you know, on the phone. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, like, it's so fun because it's kind of Lana, like, letting loose Uh and kind of letting the Merv be a mouthpiece. Yeah. But then also being like, oh, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just a little self-deprecating. No, I I, I love that. I think... think, um, the Merovingian, I think, is the reason why I feel how I how I'm connecting to like what Smith's problem is. With, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. his whole thing is like you reset the. Mer- I had everything. I was right. I was a fucking king, and I then was the broke. You, yeah, and then you reset everything, and now I'm a hobo. 
fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. you like did that. this yeah. to me. And I think that that's what Smith is afraid is going to happen. Oh, if it resets good. again. Yeah. Is like, I, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to become the proverbial hobo in hobo. the situation. I'm going to be in exile. Like these weirdos. Right. Yeah. I might not be as, get as cushy as a deal as I did last time. Or even then he was like, I won't have this collar on my neck again. Right. Right. And I, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I like, yeah. And you know, uh, I've said my piece about the action in this. Uh, there's some cool stuff. Um, it's it's just I I just really like the playful, like you said, like she's not. It's very playful, and it's kind of like we're just throwing it together. And uh, I think it adds what we were what we were saying earlier about the length of this movie. Why this doesn't really feel like a long movie mm-hmm. because it feels like it's all it, in a constant state of catching up with itself. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, the choreographer, the, the fight choreographer, talked about how um, they did chore- choreograph all the fight mm-hmm. scenes, but due to the nature of how Lana decided to shoot the movie, a lot of it would be changed on the fly. Oh, cool! And that's why it is the way that it is. He was like, he's like, yeah, we choreograph like like we did not as hardcore as we did last time, but like mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not I'm not that fight choreographer, but yeah, yeah. but like we choreographed all of it. But then in the moment, Lana would be like, actually, I want to put the camera here, so there's no point in doing that move now. Oh, we can man. we can save it and come back to it later. You know, when we've moved that's- the camera over, so I can see it. You know. Yeah, that's so illuminating because there was this this clip that I saw on Twitter that went viral like a few months ago of like a fight rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And it was Jessica Henwick and the two stunt people. And it's like, you know, the one fight that Bugs has with the girl with the knife and the guy. Yeah. And she's like fighting two of them at the same time. And you watch just the clip because, you know, it's like a, a Twitter. It's a video on a phone. So it's at a wider angle. Right. And you really get to see the full like personality of Bugs and like. The kind of almost comedy of her, like, oh, or, you know, falling under or like making stuff up as she goes along. Right. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't see any of that in the movie. Yeah. And it's because of like, oh, yeah, because it only works if you're getting this specific or like, you know, full, you know. Right. Like a, like a dance sequence where you can see every little move. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it just wasn't it wasn't the focus for Lana on this one. So, yeah. Yeah. I like. So we get the the Smith Neo rematch. Uh there's some cool stuff. What do you think of the little combo kick that that Neo has? It's all right, I guess. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I I think this is a good time to talk about you. You, you mentioned it earlier. How Neo has a very different skill set in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, reaching for guns. He's not. It, all of his powers, I guess, for lack of a better word, are very defensive based. Yes, he's pushing people away with energy blasts. Right. It's a lot of. Because you get the sense that Neo just isn't interested in this. He's just like, no, I've, mm-hmm. I've done all of this. I'm, I want Trinity. I want. I just want Trinity. I don't give a shit about any of this. Like, oh, you, get, you don't get it. I'm out. Get out like, of my way. <laughs> <laughs> I, Zero oh, I interest this, in any of this bullshit. <laughs> I, I had this thought during, I think it was even this scene, where Neo in this movie is what a lot of people wanted Yoda to be in the prequels. Hmm. The argument that like I don't like that Yoda needs a lightsaber. I think he should be beyond that. He's Master Yoda, and I'm like, what do you want then? And I'm like, oh, I think they're picturing him. He's so he's such a hoss that he could just use the Force to like bat people away. Right, right. 
because anytime Neo is really provoked or really in danger, he just like, okay, nope, fuck you. And like pushes them out with like a Kamehameha blast. Yeah. 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 I think I, yeah. So I think that's like, I, I, it's, it's interesting and it's totally in character for what the story is. And so like, Mm -hmm. The idea that people are leveling this criticism on this of like, I wish he picked up a gun like Neo is supposed to or did more Kung Fu. It's a lot of people wanting a different, just wanting a completely different movie. You know? yeah. yeah. Or, you know, hearing you, it reminded me of like Lana Wachowski's like I made I made the Matrix Reloaded. I made the Matrix Trilogy Speed Racer. Yeah. I produced Ninja Assassin. I could do that. I'm not, though. I'm just focused on Trinity. I'm just a love story. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, what does she have to prove at this point? She's freaking, she's, you know, she's on a Wachowski. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, that, those, okay, so she, uh, Neo runs away, goes to Trinity's garage. That, like, two seconds of Carrie Ann Moss, like, working in the garage. Oh, my God. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if, if if you don't listen to all of our shows, you won't know this. But Nick has Nick Nick's got a thing for for women with blow torches and goggles. Just oh well, oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, Doctor Who for sure. Doctor Who and and um, uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, answer the call. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I I think a, a minor quibble of this movie is I think like Kent, Trinity should be at the level of like. You know, when Jamie Lee Curtis returned to Halloween or like when uh, when Linda Hamilton came back to Terminator, mm-hmm. like, uh, like like I think like you were saying, like more Trinity. You kind of want more of her story. Yeah, because like I would argue and we're almost there. We're not quite there. Wait, or mm-hmm. have. No, we're not quite there. The 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 scene where she finally snaps out of it. And yes. it's like, mm-hmm. call, call. Yeah, yeah. Don't call me that. My name is Trinity. And then like. It's supposed to it, it's supposed to it feels like it's supposed to be like a big cathartic moment but because mm-hmm. we haven't been following her this whole movie there's no catharsis to be had from it. It's not the f- fist pump moment that you can feel it wanting to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because the focus has been so heavily on Keanu Reeves who's mm-hmm. already had a trilogy of stories, you know. Right. I get it. He's Keanu Reeves. I know why he's the lead of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also understand it from the perspective of like Lana doesn't necessarily know what it is, what, what, what it would be like to be like the mom in a family unit and like all of that. What she knows sure. is being the creator of a thing and people are like forcing you to make a sequel, yeah, you that's know? True. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so like, that's where obviously like her interest and, and, and her, um, her lens, I guess. Yeah. Her whatever. lens yeah. is going to be. Um, but I, I think if you're going to make that moment sing this mm-hmm. the way that you kind of feel like you want it to, you have to feel that oppression on Trinity. Yeah. For more of this movie than what we get, I think. Definitely. You know, there's a lot of there are conversations and scenes previous in the movie, I think between like Bugs and Neo and Niobe, where the topic of control is introduced. Mm-hmm. And, like, what systems are controlling us or how much freedom do we really have? Yeah. And I think it's so interesting and provocative almost how the concept of family is used as a tool of oppression and control against Trinity. Right. 
of like the matrix you it's expertly paced when chad and the kids are introduced because it's always when they're getting a little too close yes like oh your your kid shoved a lego up his nose isn't that cute get the fuck back to your family (laughs) yeah you know yeah absolutely and it's also you know um that note is a extremely poignant one for members of the lgbtq uh you know Mm -hmm. uh, group because it's like your family sometimes are the people who have been oppressing you and keeping you in the closet and mm-hmm. are the people who are not accepting you when you say you are what you are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sense to me that that's how Lana would view family. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, because, yeah. yeah. It's, it can be a dark thing for, 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 for gay people, mm-hmm. you know, and especially queer people. Yeah, and I guess you know, even from the you know from the feminine standpoint of like, not every woman that too. sees themselves in the patriarch of like, well, that's not me. I don't that is feels like it's being forced upon me. That too. You know? That too. Yeah, and um, see, and that's I feel like that's the angle that Lana mm, could yeah. have taken with Trinity mm. if she had chosen to focus on her, or at least at the very least made it a two hander, more of a two hander. Sure, cutting back and forth. Yeah, which I think would have been a really interesting choice. Um, Of her like doing dishes or, or, you know, helping her kids with homework. Yeah. And then like seeing the Matrix game and being like, whoa, Trinity. Right, yeah. Instead of it just being a monologue, actually seeing it happen in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Well, they love a monologue, the Wachowskis. Yeah. Although, who knows? Maybe that was originally the plan and the script was just too goddamn long, you know? (laughs) Right. They're like, no, this is 200 pages. Yeah. (laughs) We can't. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll just have her talk about it instead. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, So we have that, the the confrontation between the analyst and Neo uh, real quick. Some interesting concepts are introduced. We've talked about it a lot already where it's just like he, this guy's genius was he made the Matrix comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. And he made you not want to break out because it's like, you know, and it kind of brought, you know, I was thinking about it a lot today where, you know, our relationship with pop culture is unique right now because we are living in such difficult times. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, people who have people who seem to be really critical of people who use entertainment as a bomb. Yeah. Or like, what are you doing? What are you doing during the day? Right. You know, I don't know. I feel like I personally have a lot of patience for people that are like, hey, I just got done like being a bus driver for eight hours a day. I think I'm just going to watch like young Sheldon and fall asleep. Sure. But I'm like, oh, I'm mad at the system for making that person live that kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just too tired to even want more or dream more. Right. Right. That's Um, capitalism, baby. That's capitalism, baby. (laughs) (laughs) He was this. He was this close to just saying that. I feel like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, Who? Uh, uh, ne- the analyst. Oh yeah. Okay. And yeah, I was gonna say either. <laughs> I can picture Neo in a moment. That's, that's capitalism, baby. <laughs> yeah. Or or Smith, and then yeah, I think the analyst definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, he kind of he has a really good line where he says, you know, desire and fear. You know, for ninety nine percent of humanity, that is the definition of reality. Yeah. Desire of wanting more, fear of losing what you already have. Yes. And there's lots to unpack in that statement. There is. That's really good. It's very, very poignant. I would mm. I would argue more poignant than anything in the original trilogy in terms of like what it means to a person's day-to-day life. Yeah. It just feels like it resonates more. Yeah. 
and maybe it's the difference between it's a line being written by a 48 year old or 50 year old person mm-hmm. versus like a 21 year old who's like fuck this man it's the 90s fuck fuck the system this is cool as shit here yeah yeah <laughs> but it's but now it's like well no like systems i i want to i have a kid i have a wife i need a system i need like I'm, I don't want to lose. I can't. I can't. I can't kick. I can't rage against the machine. I have to keep a roof over my head. What if I lose the roof? Right. Right. I'll just stay here. I'll just. I won't rage against the machine. Right. <laughs> uh, they escape. Neo meets Sati, now played by Priyanka Chopra Jones, and she says that yeah, like it, it, the idea of, like you said, she is a product of love. Uh, she is a living example of machines can want something that is not just binary to their program purpose. Mm-hmm. They created Sati because they wanted to. And now Sati is just like a program. Right. Uh, her parents were deleted in the purge along with the Oracle and the architect and all of our best friends. Right. During Because uh, my understanding is there was a, there was a civil war because... The truce created an en- an energy scarcity in the machine world. Yes, and so the analyst staged like a coup, basically, and purged anyone, and then that like disagreed with him. But it was like, hey, look at profits, because he was like, I've increased profit every quarter since I took over. So like, yeah, who's gonna fight me on this? Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh... It's interesting that there is a new architect, but there mm-hmm. isn't a new Oracle. Yeah, like Sati kind of is filling in that role, but she definitely lacks the, you know, because she, she says, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm 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 just like a rogue program just doing my best. I don't I don't have any kind of prophecy or anything in my head. Yeah. Whereas like imagine in the two hander version of this, like Trinity has like a best friend and that is the Oracle like this versions of the Oracle, like that friend that just like gives you all that advice and shit, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you find out like, oh, my God, it's the Oracle. Yeah. She survived the purge. Yeah. Yeah. Or has evolved or whatever, like the Mm -hmm. way that the analyst has. Um, Yeah. Man. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and uh more trinity get... is what i'm saying more trinity yes. <laughs> it, it's so funny that we're we're actively like i'm so glad that this is the final one and there isn't going to be like other ones after this i'm like i just want a whole i want a trinity movie yeah I a bugs movie i, I want a sequoia sabebe movie <laughs> so then we see something we haven't seen yet in the matrix series we get kind of a heist mm-hmm. where Neo's like, look, I, I just want to get Trinity out. And they're like, all right, fair enough. So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to sneak bugs into the machine, into the farm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to swap her out with Trinity because we need someone else that can be plugged in. And like kind of have them kind of cancel each other out while we're unplugging Trinity. Can I say that's broadly what happens? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where my interest wanes a little bit. Same. Cool. Yeah, you kind of. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. It's it's <laughs> so complicated in the realm of like stuff that isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because it reminds me of the Reloaded 
thing where they have to get to the power plant and turn off the thing. And But I know what all that stuff is. Right. But this is all made up stuff. And it's very intricate in how it all works and how mm-hmm. it works in tandem with each other to pull off the heist. Yeah. That it's it, it, it definitely my brain just is like, nope. Yeah. And just it just shuts down. Um, yeah, and then they did it. And so, like, you know, it, it's why, like, I remember when um, when Inception came out. And you get mm. to the end that the, the the third act of Inception, and people are like, "I don't know, I don't get, I like, I don't get it." <laughs> and yeah. I, I I never understood that because I was like, they very specifically lay out all of the rules, and like, mm-hmm. I find it very easy to understand because yeah. of how rain s- level, snow level, hotel level. Yeah, and and the way that everything is is laid out, the rules are laid out very simply, and mm-hmm. they are they make sense because they're stacked on each other. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like it all makes sense. This is a lot of stuff that I feel like Lana and the other people who worked on, you know, making this sequence happen. They all understand right. it, but they didn't do mm-hmm. a very good job of explaining how right. it all works. I don't like, think I get, I'm sure they could tell you what each step means. Yes. But it's just like a lot of pink hallways. Yes. <laughs> and like goo pods. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Meanwhile, in the Matrix, uh, Neo goes back to Simulate, where the analyst is gathered with a bunch of bots and even some agents, and they tried to broker some kind of agreement. Um, and the analyst is like, "Okay, look, I will just give you the opportunity to turn to like to blue pill Trinity. If you can, you can. If you don't, you all go back under. You go all go back into the pods, and we go back to Act One." Right. Uh, Trinity comes. They start to like have a conversation, but then uh, Chad and the kids come and they're like, oh, the dog got hit by a car. It was following you. It's your fault. You better come help us. And Trinity's like, I, I got. And Neo's just like, he's such a rom com here. He's like, I get it. I get it. It's, it's go back it's, to it's your okay. fake made up bullshit family. Yeah, I understand. It's, every- <laughs> it's everything you ever. He really, he really is very passive in this. Yes. In such a refreshing way for a, a, a big movie, because he isn't like, no, you're with me. Fuck you, Chad. You know? Well, like, all of the active stuff, like, Neo is is only reactive in this mm-hmm. in this movie. All of the active stuff is done by either the the crew, Bugs and, and Friends, Bugs and Company, mm-hmm. the Looney Tunes, yeah. Um, yeah. And, Good. <laughs> and Trinity. And so the fact that Trinity isn't the protagonist of this film, I think, makes it feel weird and might Mm -hmm. be the reason why people aren't totally on board with this movie. Right. It's not Mm -hmm. just they think what they want is like kung fu and guns and shit. But what I think they're actually struggling with is the fact that Neo doesn't do anything. He just reacts to it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a kind of a difficult, like, well, who are we supposed to be rooting for right now in this scene? Right. Or what's hap- Or what's what's the forward? What is... Yeah. yeah. What's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish in every scene? Because it seems like Neo's not trying to accomplish anything, you know? Mm-hmm. He's turning away from... Oh, we didn't even, uh, we didn't even talk about uh, the sparring scene with him and Morpheus. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 
but, but you know we don't have to right <laughs> we brought up everything the defensive powers yeah. and whatnot so uh it looks like trinity made her choice they're not going to be able to wake her up but then she what i really like is that the ultimate activating emotion that really saves her in that moment is anger yep like get your fucking hand off of me my name's not tiffany yeah my name's not tiff uh, my name's not tiff uh I think it was you in another podcast who said it would have rocked even harder if she had done the the crane kick. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's kind of an example of like the positive side of getting like maybe that is something a fan would do and not like the author. Right. Of like, that's I'm not going to do that. But like, you know. Right. It would have fucking other people rocked. Would be like, oh, she, yeah. It would be like, no, she it fucking has to, has to happen. Yeah. Um. So then they uh, break out and we get a really fun action sequence that I now know was planned the morning of shooting it. Uh, the swarm chase. And I really like how chaotic it is. I just I just thought about, oh, my God. What, what if what if in the moment where she like goes away, she starts walking away. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, her her husband, either her husband or like maybe even like the analyst calls her mm-hmm. tiff or something and that's and it snaps her out of it right and then she says um she says uh 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 like she stops right and mm-hmm. then and then um you know have the analyst be like to neo be like don't you know don't you see like you know she's she's happy here she's gonna go mm-hmm. off with like my guys and she's gonna like and then and then neo gets to say the line of like no you don't understand your men are already dead and then she does the fucking crane oh, kick. that's good yeah, yeah just like <laughs> just like yeah she's back <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah anyway yeah uh so <laughs> i really like the swarm city chase kind of just I have now, and I think in doing this podcast, I've accepted just kind of the frenzied, chaotic nature of the action in this movie. And I think this is kind of, this showcases that really well. of Just the motorcycles zooming out, the bodies hitting the ground, just coming out of nowhere. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, we get to the roof. Neo maneuvers the missiles around to hit the helicopters. Yeah. It's great. And then we get the the big final hero moment where, for the first time, uh, Trinity gets to fly. Yeah. Trinity catches Neo. Right. It was a, a practical effect, a practical jump. Yeah, sure was. And the insurance company did not want them to do it. Um, <laughs> but they had already been testing it. And mm-hmm. uh, the stunt choreographer, um, Trinity's stunt woman in this, was his daughter. And they'd already been testing it. And so he just, they're like, no, it's too dangerous. We can't let them do it. And he's like, my daughter has done it five times. <laughs> oh, wow. We're doing yeah. this. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, do you think if it was unsafe, I would let my daughter do this? Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. So then they, they okay. finally, they signed <laughs> off on it and let them yeah. do it. Um, but I think they were only allowed to do it once. So it's like a one and done wow. thing. It looks great. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the, the light. The you know the the sunlight hitting the the, the sun coming out it's beautiful yeah. and it's just a that yeah. was a really cool moment too because at the beginning you know they had talked about like the sunlight and her her embracing of the sun this uncontrollable mm-hmm. thing force you know that um has she's always seen as the enemy in filmmaking and 
they're all on this rooftop. They've all like come up to the rooftop super early, right? And they're all sort of like hustling around and getting things set up and getting ready and getting mm. everybody strapped in. And it was just this thing. And then she was like, yeah. And then we just, we just stood around and we were all quiet and we were all just waiting for the sun to rise because we knew we only had one chance to get this. And we just had to wait for the exact moment. And it was this like moment of like the sun hit and they were like, it's time. And then they just ran off the roof. And it was just wow. like, it was like a lot of like preamble, you know, mm-hmm. but then they had to like instantly psych themselves up, you know, to do wow. it. Yeah. And yeah. they just, they just did it. And they were like, if it was just like Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss were both like, if it was just one of us, like if it was just either of us, I don't know that we would have had the balls to yeah, do the courage. The, to, yeah. yeah, the courage to like make the jump. Right. But because we were holding each other's hands like Trinity and Neo, like we gave each other the strength and the courage to jump off this roof. Wow. 350 feet in the air. Yeah. And fall because they mm-hmm. fall for like 15 feet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah. And it's it's such a it's so cool because like think about the ending of the last Matrix movie yeah or you know even like the machine so you know it's like the like excess yeah and for this movie to end on not an act of violence or destruction but like something so practical of like watching two humans jump off a building and not die right and fly yeah and fall, like float right it's and like the com- kind of going back to confidence of like no I can end my movie there I don't need to end my movie on the thing being turned off or the final battle happening like this is the ending of the movie and this is just this, this is the ending of the movie yeah this is the this is what we've been building to yes yeah yeah this is the final note of like Trinity flies Trinity catches Neo right right um and then we get the they wake up together mm-hmm. um yep. embrace. In the real world, and then we get our denouement. Yeah, and we've kind of we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I like how we get the updated version of both of their uniforms, their Matrix outfits. Yeah, and they're a little comfier. Yeah, they're not the leather form fitting. They're a bit more like, yeah, we're in our fifties now. Like we're still, we're still going to look like Neo and Trinity, but like, yeah, a little more comfy. Yeah. We're not, we we're not we're not worried about looking cool as much as we're wor- we're worried about like feeling good. Move. Yeah, yeah, feeling good. Yeah, moving around. Not mm-hmm. not yeah yeah. And uh, we reach this really kind of. So what I took away from the ending is the analyst tells Neo and Trinity like, okay, fine, congrats, you're Neo and Trinity again. You know, fly around. You know paint the sky with rainbows and stuff but like the the people are staying in the pod Mm -hmm. you're not doing anything like they like it in the matrix if the matrix is good it's comfy they're not going they're they're staying here with me and neo and trinity kind of accept it Mm -hmm. but they're kind of like they're because i i think what this movie is is it they realize that maybe we can't change the world anymore but maybe we don't need to anymore Right. Like, or maybe we can change the world just by doing our thing and flying around painting the sky with rainbows. Right. And maybe that's enough. Right. Right. It's interesting that it ends on a beat of like, 
they want to become a symbol mm-hmm. to this to the matrix the world of the matrix weirdly in like a kind of similar way to like how superman is like <laughs> yeah, yeah aiming to be for this for the people of metropolis and and the world mm-hmm. of like this like symbol of hope mm-hmm. of like everything's going to be okay or like i you know whatever but like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's interesting that's very similar in that way and it's like instead of fighting to wake everyone up and destroy the system controlling us it's they have transcended the system mm-hmm. and now live inside of it and theoretically might inspire people to at least question to like well wait a second if they're flying around the sky painting rainbows and making unicorns why am i living my life right or like what's stopping me from doing what they're doing right right um it's yeah it's cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's cool it's a it's a really it's a really cool ending um and it it does raise the question for me in terms of like the whole battery of it all Mm -hmm. um you know, like these people like the Matrix more. They're not going to unplug. But like, it can't. Couldn't they? Now that like the machines and humans are sort of synthesizing their views and their worlds, mm-hmm. why can't the Matrix become this like oasis, like you know, Ready Player mm-hmm. One like thing, where instead of like pirating into the matrix you are going into the matrix to give energy to the machines but then you can leave again and somebody else will come in you know right yeah like if the if it's more if it's more like recreational yeah yeah i think i i think the analyst said that they like misery is produces more energy oh and so it's like i think Kind of, but then, like, I think the answer to that, the clearly answer is like, well, no, just make do with a little less energy, and you'll have everyone, you'll have like a able-minded workforce that wants to expend energy, yeah, and will be happy. And the only thing you have to settle for is just a little less energy, and but and you'll get more that, people, yeah, but you'll get more people, yeah. Right. But then the analyst is like, no, more. That's so weird. Yeah. And that kind of resonates with like, you know, we talk to our we, we we yell up at the machine that we live under in real life. Right. Of like, hey, if you pay us like a little bit more or give us some health insurance or X or Y or Z, we will happily work for you. And we get told no. Right. You're you're ridiculous for even asking for that. No, that's impossible. <laughs> we, that would ruin everything if we did that yes and you're like really it would ruin everything yeah yeah if you <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i guess i guess you got a point there that's that's a that's a good way of looking at it especially with the analyst being a villain mm-hmm. um, sure i will say like you know i guess on a on an object you know if if i wasn't crazy about this movie there is kind of a lot that is unsaid in that final conversation yeah sure a lot of it is implied subtext yeah and, you know, analysts still being kind of snarky. Yeah. Well, 
And and you know, and that's that's another thing. I mean, not to really like harp on this Trinity thing, but like this Denouement, like Trinity is the protagonist of the Denouement. Like she is the main mm-hmm. character. Neo has like two lines, I think. Yeah, he's in the background. Yeah, he's, he's literally like kind of hanging back. Right, exactly. It's all about her. And so the fact that the rest of the movie wasn't all about her mm. is very yeah. feels very messy. It feels kind of disjointed, yeah. 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 Um but I still really like the movie a lot. Yeah. I've I, I can't remember I think I said this on Reloaded, but like every Wachowski movie is such a unwieldy thing where you love it while at the same time wanting it to be different or can feel it a version of it that might be more palatable or more mass mass massly uh accessible or entertaining but then it wouldn't be the thing that it is right it wouldn't be this like special look inside the brain of these two filmmakers Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and so ends our discussion (laughs) on matrix resurrections yeah hopefully it's the last one i yeah i it didn't do well so i i don't i i think it mm -hmm. even if even if she had thoughts about doing others I don't think it's I don't, it's kind of yeah. like she, it was kind of the perfect crime because she kind of like blew up the warehouse while not looking at the explosion. Yeah. Of like, all right, I'll make another Matrix movie. And then it was exactly what she wanted. This weird thing mm-hmm. that and then it's like, oh, it bombed. Now the Matrix brand is ruined. We'll never make another one now. And Lana's like, fucking good. I don't want you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, good for her. Good for her. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to end it there. We will be talking about Jupiter Ascending next week. On the Patreon. On the Patreon. Um, And then we've got the between-isode where we'll uh, talk about uh, what's next for the show. Um, Yes. That'll be be on uh, uh, next week's... um, Mm -hmm. It'll be on the feed next week. So thanks for listening, everybody. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.